This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition. No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls.
Sawate. I'm your host, Stella, and this is Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 165, Spider-Man, the PS4 game discussion special for November MMXVIII. Batgirl to Oracle is brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out MileHighComics.com. Well, this was basically the only reason to have a podcast is because I can do whatever the heck I want. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this, and in this case, I want to talk about the PlayStation 4 game, Spider-Man by Insomniac. And this is, should be no surprise because I had done something similar with The Last of Us, you know, three years after it had come out. And I've done Iron Fist as well. And I wanted to bring on a couple of my good friends and friends that not only play games but are also Spider-Man fans so that we can have really great discussion. So coming back... After a while, he was on here. He's been on Last of Us discussion. He's been on the Iron Fist discussion. I put him through all these things, but I think this one will be the best. <laughs> it's Gerard Delator the second. Hi, everybody. You made it sound like uh, the Last of Us thing was a chore. It wasn't. No, Iron no, Fist was true. a chore. I was just Iron Fist about, was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the one I was thinking about that, you know, every, I was trying to be really positive for everybody. And they're like, well, it really wasn't that good, Stella. And then this guy, I can't believe I'm really even letting him back on the show after what happened in the last episode. But these sorts of specials are continuity-free, so I guess he can come on. It's Donovan Morgan Grant. I knew I, I couldn't be introduced without some sort of like like acid-touched salt with uh, your words. Yeah, it's, it's really your fault. It's really your fault. So this epi- I just want to lay it out right now that this is going to be full of spoilers. I waited until November so that I could have a chance to beat it. My two friends could have a chance to beat it. The first DLC recently came out, and we got that, and we played through that. So we're just going to talk about everything in the story. So if you've not played Spider-Man on PS4 or if you're one of those people that likes to watch playthroughs on YouTube and you haven't finished it, then I would stop it right now and go back to whatever you were doing. So that's that's your last morning. Don, this is actually a special game for you. Why is this a special game for you? Because like my current occupation at my job, you have a direct hand in it. Um, <laughs> that's true. I have not played video games in rough, like, like like new games, like roughly like in ten years. I made a conscious decision when I was in college because I actually like I legitimately saw uh, classmates of mine fall by the wayside and fail their classes because they're they're way too into Halo Three at the time. So I was like, okay, if I get sucked into like video games like the PS3, which was the the hot console back then, then I'll just you know flunk out like them. So. The most of the games I play were kind of games I already owned or retro games with my brother. I really kind of like removed myself from the gaming world, which I was really into when I was in high school. I mean, I, I played uh, Ultimate Spider-Man and, and like um, as well, you know, as we mentioned, like other Spider-Man games. I played Metal Gear Solid Three and uh, the Budokai Tenkaichi DBZ games and all that kind of stuff that everyone played. So um, this is 
I bought a PS4 specifically to play this game, and I was I was in GameSpot or Stop, I can never tell which, just kind of like circling the place, you know, constantly telling the person, keep on asking me what I wanted, I'm fine, I'm fine, texting you saying, okay, what do I need for this game? Do I need like, like a 50 terabyte thing or whatever? Like, do I need to <laughs> buy this separate thing? Do I need to buy the PlayStation Plus? Because I was, I don't know what the modern kind of you know PlayStation gaming. Uh, like like rules and regulations are. I didn't I didn't know if I needed a season pass for this or that. I didn't know what I just wanted to play the game. And I want to play this game because when they first debuted it, I was like, ah, white spider, I don't know about that. You know, and the, and the controls look don't look dissimilar to the Spider-Man 2 controls. But the more and more I saw of it, uh it looked the graphics looked really, really cool. The ability looked really fun. And I was just kind of sucked into it. And you had decided to get it before I did. So like um yeah, like like uh uh I was convinced to get it. And I wait. I just waited a week just to save some more money for it because it, between the game and the system, it cost me nearly four hundred bucks. Yeah, and I owe you to thank for a hell of a great time because I absolutely love this game. Yeah, it's funny we've got this interesting little connection here. So I was the one who led led you through this, and Gerard was the one who led me through getting a PS4 for Uncharted Four. And Uncharted is very much the reason why I've gotten basically all of my systems, especially the PS3 and the and the PS4. But Gerard, what led you to get this game? I mean, when you found out it was Spider-Man, were you right on it? Or did you have to wait to see a little bit more and then you decided to get it? Oh, no, I was on board from day one when, it, when the game was first announced because when they first showed it off, I don't even remember, was it E3 2016? Was that when they first showed it off? Yeah, it was pretty early, um, yeah. And I remember they had that trailer and stuff, and, they, and it looked great. It came out of nowhere because no one was expecting it. But the thing that sold me on it was that it was going to be an Insomniac game. I said, "Okay, this is going to be this is going to be quality." So yeah, I, I pre-ordered the deluxe edition. You know, maybe a few months before it came out, and I was sitting there on a, on September seventh, waiting there for it to finish downloading. It's like <laughs> possibly, but not for finished out though for the timer that. You know, like, unlocks it so that you can start playing it. Like, I was just sitting there waiting for it. Yeah, I remember uh. seeing your post. Like, you posted a picture of, like, how many hours until you could start downloading. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty <laughs> sick for them to do, but I guess yeah. that's, that's the only thing they can do for it. Yeah, for me, I think I was also super happy for a Spider-Man game to be coming out. And it's not like we've been without one for a long time, so it's not like it's been years. I think the last one was probably the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie adaptation. I could be wrong. But, you know, this was an original story. The trailer, just the designs were beautiful because the PS4 can do so much. And my only hesitancy was when I saw Mr. Negative because... This was when I was really starting to get back on board with Spider-Man. Really, I got back on board with Back in Black and then went through the pain of One More Day and then I see Mr. Negative. And so I was a little unhappy that this is the guy because I kind of want somebody else. But the more and more I saw, I was like, okay, I've got to. You know, I'm a Spider-Man fan. I've got to get this. So I ended up pre-ordering it and I do not regret it. And it was probably one of the fastest games that I've beaten. I don't know necessarily. I mean, the story's not huge, huge, but I I 100%ed it faster, I think, than I've ever done. And that was just out of sheer enjoyment because I just, wherever, if I had some time, I was playing this game. So just really quickly before we get into this, did you like it, yes or no? And that's where we're going to stop. So, Gerard, did you like this game? Well, we can't swear on this show, so I'll just say, uh, (laughs) heck yeah. (laughs) 
Donovan, did you like this game? It could have been better. No, yes, I very oh much like this Oh my goodness. And I, yes, I absolutely <laughs> love this game. So there's the second warning. The first warning was this is going to be full of spoilers. Second warning is if you're looking for a negative podcast about this game, you're not going to have it. Yeah, we might have some criticisms here and there, questions, but overall, we loved this game. And so it's going to be something that's just like drooling and, and ever thankful for Insomniac just giving us something that Spider Man fans <laughs> wanted and deserved. Well, I did some research on the Wikipedia, which is interesting because I tell my students don't do research on Wikipedia. But, hey, it works out sometimes. And Spider-Man's been around for a long time. And I thought, you know, this podcast is not about the history of Spider-Man games. But I at least want to say that to date, Spider-Man has made appearances on over 15 gaming platforms, which is also including mobile games on mobile phones. And the very first one that I found was in 1982. Parker Brothers published a game for the Atari 2600 and its clone <laughs> system, the Sears Video Arcade, which was actually titled Spider-Man. And this is involves climbing a skyscraper. Oh, my gosh. This involves climbing a skyscraper. <laughs> there we go. Capturing criminals and defusing bombs set by the Green Goblin, and it supports two players. And I'm pretty sure... That I don't know if you guys are you as in Gerard and, and Don or you listeners are fans of Troy Baker and Nolan North, mm-hmm. but they have a YouTube channel now that I find it very hilarious. It's called Retro Replay, and every Thursday they come out with a, about a 20 or so minute video where they play an old game, either that they've picked out or their little producer, cameraman, researcher picks out or, or someone else. And they play through it and, and also get frustrated sometimes and can't get past the first level. And this was episode one, I think, and Nolan North got so frustrated because he never got up the top of the building. So just to say that if you want to see it in action and see two wonderful voice actors just have fun playing with it, plus you know Nate Drake uh, get really upset at this, you can go check that out but i wonder personally and i feel like i know about what you guys might say but i, I think gerard i'm going to be astounded by the list he prattles off and also for listeners just to get a sense that this isn't our first rodeo with spider-man we've done things before but what is what are other games that you have played and, and what's the background of spider-man and you playing as spider-man we'll go with don first well, I've never owned an Atari, but my friend has, so I actually have played the uh, Atari oh, Spider-Man man. game. Were you frustrated yeah, by it? I was laughing because I was so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ha, ha, man, does this suck or do I suck? Um, <laughs> the unending question. But I think I think that like the first Spider-Man game I would have ever played was probably maybe the Spider-Man X-Men Arcade's Revenge game for Genesis. That sucks. I don't like that game. In terms, of, I was I want to kind of start with my my fond memories. Like uh, my brother and I had a have a Genesis, so we've owned Spider Man versus the Kingpin, which I know Crazy Chris has mentioned before, and that's a fun game. I think he's beaten it. I've actually not, but um, my I, th- I think that like uh, there's a trilogy of terrific like like, like classic perfect Spider Man games, and the first one that I want to bring up is the one on the original PlayStation slash Dreamcast, the Spider Man game by Activision, because that one was the first one to to kind of really. It wasn't a side scroller. It wasn't a beat 'em up. It was kind of a platforming Spider-Man adventure game that was like a Spider-Man story. You had Stanley narrating, um, and involved Venom and Carnage. Uh, Reno Romano was the voice, and you could you, you could collect comic books and change your costumes, and you know you could wall crawl and shoot webs and tie people with webs. To me, that was like the first 
like I think that was a that was a terrific fundamental Spider-Man game, and I think that uh, um, without that one, this and some of his uh, predecessors would not exist. I played the movie adaptation games and the Raimi films, and Spider-Man Two is really I think the next major one in terms of the web swinging and dynamics, which this one borrows heavily from. Looking back on it now. I was actually surprised how little that holds up, only in terms of the graphics department, because it actually looks really, really rough for uh, 2004. But like uh, the the web slinging dynamics, I mean, we all loved at the time. And I played Spider-Man three. I don't think I beat it because I think I got kind of tired of it uh, by the time I got to the end of the last fight. When I got a PS3, I did get Shattered Dimensions, but I never got really far in that. I think I got as far as beating Craven, and that was it. Although I remember loving how the 299 world looked. That was the last Spider-Man game I played. I didn't play Web of Shadows. And I remember guys in the crawlspace talking about that. I didn't play um, the sequel to Shattered Dimensions. I forget what that was called. Um, I never played. Isn't that Edge of something? Uh, it was called Edge of Time. Yeah, that's Spider-Man Edge of Time. Yeah, I never, I never, I never got around playing that. I never played Web of Shadows. I never played Friend or Foe or the Ultimate Alliance Marvel games. And I think that, that was probably around the time that like either they came out too fast for me to catch up with, or I was kind of. Pushing games to the side a, a bit, but the last game. Oh, I should also mention uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. That was definitely the last Spider-Man game I played, and uh, I, I enjoyed that. I think I enjoyed that slightly less than Spider-Man Two, although I really loved the graphics. Yeah, this is the first game I've played since Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh boy, let's travel back to the yeah, year. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's travel back in time to 1993, or or a young lad named Gerard and his sister got a Sega Genesis. And one of the first, one of the games that I loved, I didn't, we didn't own it, but one of the games that we rented a lot was a game Don mentioned, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin. And uh, oh, yes. to this day, that was—I mean, well, until I played this Spider-Man game that we're going to be talking about tonight, that was my—that was my favorite Spider-Man game because it was so cool. Because he—he could go back to his apartment, you could take pictures to make money. Like it was a side-scrolling game on Sega Genesis, so you know what you were getting. But it had so many little touches that made it great for Spider-Man. Little cutscenes in between levels and things. So to this day, I still have a lot of fondness for it. But uh, Don talks about his his beloved trilogy. There's a there's a kind of trilogy of Spider-Man games on the Sega Genesis that I played the heck out of. And the first one was Spider-Man vs. the Kingpin. The second one was the uh, aforementioned uh, Spider-Man X-Men Arcade's Revenge, a game that is that's completely terrible. <laughs> um, I, I beat it as a kid somehow. I don't know. I was really in the zone some one day, and I just. It's insane. It's really one of the hardest games I've ever beat. And mm. then, of course, uh, I'm, I'm shocked Don didn't mention this. Maximum Carnage. Oh, duh. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I love that game. That's a classic. I mean, they had a, a kind of sequel to Maximum Carnage called uh, uh, Spider-Man and Venom Separation Anxiety, but it's not <laughs> nearly as good. Right. Um, <laughs> thank God no one's going to do any stories about the Life Foundation and Venom and all that nonsense anymore. <laughs> all that behind us. But yeah, I I went back and replayed a lot of the games that we've all mentioned so far, like while you know getting hyped up for the for the Marvel Spider Man or the Insomniac, whatever we want to call it. And uh, I was surprised by how well Spider Man Two holds up gameplay wise. Mm-hmm. I don't like the visuals at all. And I think the combat kind of stinks, but the the web swinging and stuff is still very fun. I think Spider Man Three is better than people remember. And I think Web of Shadows is a game that I will come back to as until this new game came out. That was the gold standard for me as far as like combat and swinging and everything meshing together. 
Okay. But, we'll, but I'm gonna I'm gonna compare and contrast a little bit of that when we get to talking about uh, the Insomniac game in more detail. But yeah, like I've been playing Spider-Man games for a very long time, and I've played almost all of them. I'm I'm happy to say, I only one of the ones I only ones I haven't played is Friend or Foe, <laughs> and I didn't miss anything. Oh man, I missed a couple on the Super Nintendo, but that's that's just about it. I've played almost all of them, and I'm happy about that because in some way or another, they're all worth playing for good and bad reasons yeah did you ever play the um there, wasn't there a, a genesis game based on the 90s show yes there was it was i, I think it was just Spider-Man. called i think it was just called spider-man yeah but it, it was a game based on that and i gotta be honest i could never figure out what was going on in that first stage <laughs> like i that was years ago though i gotta go back and try that one again i think that's the only genesis game i don't have a copy of though I still have all the other ones to this day. Yeah, I don't think hmm. I've gotten rid of any of my Spider-Man games either. That's fun to say. Yeah, so I do have a an, a memory of being somewhere with an arcade game. I have no idea where it would have been. Hmm. I feel like my parents were around. But I remember it was a beat-em-up, and I wonder what beat-em-up it would have been in the arcade, but I think I was probably Spider-Man because that would have been go-to. Do you think it would have been Marvel versus Capcom? Like when I was small? Oh, uh, well, there was well, there was a Spider-Man arcade game that was a beat 'em up that had a uh, had Spider-Man, the Black Cat, and two characters who were I, ah, I don't remember because I remember he was an option too, but I just don't remember who the other people. That were on. that might have also been the uh, the Avengers arcade game. Oh, he was maybe in that. that's what it was. Okay, so maybe that could have been my my first one, but my real vivid memory comes from yeah the 2000 activision game spider-man and boy i loved that loved finding the comic books uh loved making fun of the doc ock you know how spider-man you know (laughs) at the end i could sit there and i had gotten so good at there that i could like i maybe not two hours i it might be though like i could sit there and like beat the game in one sitting and i just had memorized everything i loved it and then of course spider-man 2 enter electro came out the next year loved that maybe not as much as the first one i don't think i played it as much as i did the first one and then yeah you get into the movie one so activision almost was the pre-naughty dog naughty dog where whatever naughty dog puts out i'm gonna buy because i just trust them that it's going to be a worthwhile product and i think at that time activision was one of those that i really trusted that they knew how to handle their superhero licenses uh until i played Mm -hmm. iron man which was i did not like that game so (laughs) so i i had all three of the the movie games Spider-Man 2, which I think is probably touted as one of the best, I think, prior to the game that we're talking about today. One of the best ones, just with this open world, with all the uh, side missions that you can do, the swinging mechanics, absolutely. Played Ultimate Spider-Man. I remember getting a, a special edition, and I love that because Venom is one of my favorite villains, so I got to play as him. I enjoyed Friend or Foe. Now, you know, what was this, 2007? So maybe I wasn't completely 
I don't know, fully like skilled in my mind of of recognizing good from bad. But I think it was. I think I probably still had fun, but recognized it wasn't the best story. Web of Shadows. I'm not sure if I've played this or not. I couldn't remember because I remember seeing so much about it and videos, and I can remember the characters and everything. It seems like I have played it, but then I wonder if they're false memories. And then I think the last game, Spider-Man wise, that I had played before this was in fact Shattered Dimensions, and that's actually what started my love my deep love for spider-man noir uh, whom i think is really awesome so that's my history it's more modern i think than don and gerard but still we've we've got we've got a number of games under our belt so we've got some experience and we know what we like we know what we don't like and uh story-wise as well as mechanic-wise okay i do want to yeah, i just want to give a Please. Just a quick shout out because it's not a Spider-Man game per se, but like uh, I am ride or die the Marvelous Capcom games, particularly the first two ones. Oh yeah. I just I just I think that like um because the character all the Marvel characters were very '90s designed, so it's a very badly looking Spider-Man. I thought that his combat system was very well realized, and um I mean those are never going to be in a real conversation for best spider-man games ever but i do think that like, that's worth an honorable mention just because i think that they captured this the characters fighting sensibilities very very accurately yeah and <laughs> i want to thank you for a ride <laughs> <laughs> yes sir <laughs> thank you for just put that on repeat for about 50 times sure i i have also played ultimate alliance i don't really count it as a spider-man game just because it's more of a collective marvel universe game but if anyone's out there wanting to play any of those i really recommend the first one but the second one i thought was bad i just thought okay well i have my next little bullet is just the history of the spider-man and how it came to be at insomniac and really the only one point i want to make which was something i found really endearing and interesting is i was watching a brief interview part of a longer discussion with the creative director Brian Intahar with IGN. And he said that when Marvel approached them initially, he didn't want to do this game. And it was because they're so used to and uh, they're known for, and I think they do a great job at, their creative, their creator-owned and their very original properties like Ratchet & Clank, uh, Sunset Overdrive, right? They do that one. And then weren't they also doing Infamous? Is that correct, Gerard? No, uh, Sucker Punch did Infamous. Sucker Punch, okay. But Sunset Overdrive, right? And Ratchet & Clank, of course. Yep. Okay. So they were, yeah, nervous about... Well, I think they... they you know, as with comic people, uh, you want to stick with your creator own. And I think there's also a wait for Marvel to ask, you know, do you want one of our characters? There's so much pressure on that. So I really appreciate him, I think, being humble and, and, and sticking with what they know and, and also considering how big this could be. But in the end, they agreed to it. And then Marvel gave them the option of what character they wanted to do. And they ended up going with Spider-Man. So just to give, that's not really the whole history, I'm sure, but just to give a sense of where this creative director is coming from and the fact that I think he realized right at the beginning how important this game could be, how important the property is in general. Oh, boy. Okay, well, we're moving on to now our actual discussion here. And I did have a plot inter uh, overview, which was taken from the Wikipedia. But uh, my comrades said that it was too long. So, in summary, well, first of all, uh, John Paquette, Christos Gage, Ben Artman, and Dan Slott wrote the game script. And the beautiful soundtrack that is just everywhere when you're playing was composed by John Pisano. So, let's, I want to do this. I'll put you on the spot. I'll start with you, Gerard. How would you summarize Act One? 
I hmm. Well, <laughs> I would summarize Act One as being a combination of uh, the the fall of the kingpin, basically, and what that the effect that that has on the city in the short term. Uh, you know, you see different groups try to fill the like the the void that was left behind by him no longer being in charge. You saw crime kind of getting a little out of control, and thus Spider Man having to pick himself up and take care of all that stuff. But also, um, it, it more or less set the table with all the characters that are going to be important factors in this game. You got you met Martin Lee. Uh, you of course met the classic characters like Aunt May and and Mary Jane and that kind of thing. And you also met a couple others. You met uh, uh, Jefferson Davis. You met oh, gee, I I can't even remember at this point. But like, Miles Morales. Miles, well, yeah. I don't. And all- yeah. Did, did he or did he not meet Miles Delac too? I don't remember. Uh, and of course, yes, of course, Otto Octavius, who, who played, end up playing a bigger role than I think anyone expected in the game. So I would say I would summarize Act One as being essentially like the the creation of like a, a competitive criminal power vacuum in New York City, and meeting all the characters that are going to play a bigger role in the subsequent acts. Act. How was that? But it was good. It was good. And I agree with you. As a player, as us, uh, we met Miles, but Peter doesn't meet Miles until the funeral. So you're right about that. Don, how would you summarize Act 2? Um, where, did, where did Gerard leave off on that one? Like, at what point was like the break-off, do you think? Well, at the official end of Act 1 is where, uh, was where Officer Davis and you know the City Hall incident. Okay, yeah. So I think that like Act 2 kind of gets more into... Well, in the background, there's a lot more of Otto Octavius kind of losing his mind, and you're you're under you are made to you le- you learn that he has like a, a neural disease, like like he's losing kind of functions in his body. That's kind of going in the background, and slowly but surely, uh, he's kind of losing his mind and really investing himself in this sort of project, like sort of like you know limb replacement project that they're doing, which is his arms. And in the foreground, it's kind of like. like for much of this game, and I, I don't, I don't think this is like a red herring or a bait and switch. It's sort of a bait and switch, but like for much of the game, the big bad is Mister Negative, mm-hmm. which you know you find out as um, uh, shock upon shock, Martin Lee, the guy who looks just like him. You're kind of following that up, and I think that this between this and the various like uh, you know Miles is kind of being sneaky and kind of you're showing that Miles has a um, an ambition, to, a heroic ambition towards him. I mean, he's, he he doesn't necessarily have this, this sort of like Dick Grayson. I I, I just want to you know uh, vent my rage sort of thing and kind of f- figure out what to do. But it's sort of like he just finds himself in situations that that lends himself to being very heroic. Same thing as Mary Jane, and she's she's proving herself to be a very um, uh, courageous character. The more dangerous things become. Yeah, yeah the, the, I, this I think this this leads into oh gosh, like is it, would this act break off with a raft? scene or like and then yeah so everyone the, well the sinister six basically is assembled yeah yeah spider-man gets his butt handed to him um in true spider-man fashion that's definitely like like an act of break so like, yeah i was i would say it gets into that where like um Re- electro the vulture um, oh gosh who else is there a number uh, uh mr yeah, mr scorpion. negative of course rhino yeah yeah and scorpion are all broken out of the ra- uh, the, the raft the 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 
the super prison, and the person who is in charge of their escape is none other than Otto Octavius and his new supervillain form because he's Kawazi Dr. Octopus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then, of course, Octavius ends up releasing the devil's breath in Times Square, which causes the mass outbreak. Whoops. So, yeah, so then the end of, or the beginning of Act 3, because of the illness that is spread, Osborne, as mayor, declares martial law. So you've got raft people running amok because, of course, the breakout, as well as Sable International people running amok. So it's like, it is the worst. I was so annoyed, actually, during this act because I couldn't (laughs) swing anywhere. I was getting, like, you get attacked from all angles. You're swinging and your your spidey sense is going off at all times. So it's just, like, really obnoxious. Plus, it was so dirty, the city. I was like, what is this? This is a completely different game. But anyways, uh, there is an antidote. So part of it is, is trying to find the antidote. And Mary Jane is one of those that ends up helping uh miles ends up getting bitten by an oscorp genetically modified spider that actually escaped when mary jane watson was inside so i was waiting for that to happen so we can talk about that later and then peter decides to build like his final confrontation he decides to build an armored suit and confront doc ock and they end up fighting each other and it's revealed that octavius knew that peter was in fact spider-man and there's um just this really emotional conversation between the two of them of how much peter love i i mean he i think he you know loved respected modeled himself after him to a certain extent and then just feels so betrayed and uh Auk tries this sort of <laughs> sympathy play but that doesn't work out so ends up uh, taking taking him out, and then through all of this, because of this this outbreak, Aunt May has never stopped because she's been volunteering at the feast center, and she's never stopped helping people, and she actually got sick as well. And so Peter has the antidote after that fight, and he goes to the hospital, and he can save Aunt May with this one antidote, or have the antidote replicated to save thousands it's revealed on her deathbed unfortunately that she also has known for a while that peter is spider-man and then in a very emotional scene which we really need to talk about just how it was uh directed and and choreographed she also she passes away because he makes that decision really hard for him so then afterwards uh, three months later, apparently, according to Wikipedia, New York is, is somewhat back to normal. Osborne resigns as mayor. Uh, Peter and Mary Jane actually get back together, so they've been broken up this entire time. Uh, Miles ends up revealing that he has gained some spider-like pow- powers, and then Peter reveals that to him as well, so that's cool. And then in an end credit scene, we see norman enter a secret laboratory where harry because we had believed that he was in paris i think this entire time so harry is actually in stasis and a black web-like substance goes to touch the glass when norman puts his hand glass so we'll see so that's like the overall but there's so many details of course that you just have to get from from playing the game but i think we'll probably 
hit on a lot of them. I do want to let you know because I actually recently found out about it and put it on my birthday wish list and sent it to somebody that there's a prequel novel to this game and it's called Spider-Man Hostile Takeover and it was actually released on August 21st and I thought to myself, what was I doing? So it is written by (laughs) David Liss and it details Spider-Man's conflict with the Kingpin as he attempts to blackmail Mayor Osborn into making him the city financier and... It also charts the end of Peter and Mary Jane's relationship, which apparently is due to, it was caused, the end was caused by Peter's overprotective nature, which once you know that, I think brings that one conversation, the first conversation in the diner, it, it makes more sense when she asks him, do you even know why we broke up? And he says, is this a trick question? It also introduces the game's version of Echo, which I, I this is from Wikipedia, and I was trying to think of, when did I see Echo? But but maybe in my second playthrough, I'll find her again. And also Blood. She's a Daredevil character. Yeah, I don't remember seeing her in... Uh, maybe that's a hint that she'll be coming out then. Someone spoils something. But anyways, just to give you a sense of, of this. And this timeline is, he's been Spider-Man for eight years. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's we got to talk about the timeline. <laughs> oh, oh yes. okay. So just to give you a sense of, of where we're coming at with this game, and then if you're really interested, I'm going to read this novel, so I guess I'll you might hear about it on my literature recommendation. But th- that that might be something to, to be, to just bring your experience full circle. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll start off with some overall questions here. So my first question, because we're Spider-Man fans, I think maybe first, and then video game fans second, who knows? I'll speak for myself anyway. How well does this game actually capture the mythology of Spider-Man? See, that's an interesting question, because I feel like a lot of the adaptations, usually the best idea is to try to go for, like, the feeling of the, of the mythology. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's a... There's a certain tenor to Spider-Man that you know it feels like Spider-Man, mm-hmm. where, where you don't necessarily have to get all of the details exactly right. That's something that I think, the uh, like, for example, the Raimi trilogy of movies did really well, where they felt like Spider-Man. Yeah, they had things like organic webs and, you know, you knew Mary Jane in high school, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all th- sorts of things that don't quite jive with the comics. But they got the mythology down in the sense that it felt like the character and everyone was recognizable as who they were without necessarily hewing to all of the exact details. And this game does that perfectly. I, in fact, this might be my favorite adaptation of Peter Parker that I've ever seen in anything. I love mm. Peter in this. He feels like Peter Parker. Dr. Octopus you know, feels like Dr. Octopus without being anything similar to the same character in the comics. So it gets the mythology in terms of the feeling of it, but it, it manages to do so while straying pretty far away from a lot of the core details. And I think if you I think it'll appeal to people who don't really know the comics all that well because it tells a good story. But I think people who read all the comics will appreciate all the little nods and Easter eggs that are embedded in all of that. Where, yeah, okay, you know, the details of Peter's life aren't exactly the same, but collect some of the backpacks and read some of the descriptions of things, you're like, okay, yeah, you know. They they at least wink at some of the things that we know and, and love yeah this is a, a very to me like like as a hardcore spider-man fan it really is interesting because when i first started playing the game in that there's that opening cinematic where you kind of pan through his room and you see like you know okay so he you know there's pushing him and 
Peter or him and Harry and Mary Jane. You know, they're not avoiding Uncle Ben like like the MCU movies do. And you know, there, there's there's all those pictures of him fighting like you know various Dicko villains. Okay, so this is definitely inspiring with a history, which I love. Like 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 Gerard said, there are very specific references to the comics that like are not you know okay. So he worked with the Beagle. Everyone knows that. I mean, they referenced like a lot of Steve Ditko era things. So that that was really pleasantly surprised. Like like I believe they had the gloves that he used to, to when he first fought Electro in ASM number. Mm-hmm. Oh God, what issue was that again? Was it nine? When we first bought Electro, they referenced the gloves. There was the Electro gimmick, the electro, uh, the electronic gimmick where he first defeated Vulture in issue two. Uh, his webbed wings, um, his spider signal. So, like, the character comes from a fundamental Ditko background, which is awesome. And what's, what's clear to me also is that, like, and we'll probably get, probably get into this in a bit, but, like, it's clear that there's definitely, like, you know, some blood of the movies into this. Like, there's definitely, like, a movie kind of vibe to this in terms of, like, you know, his relation to Mary Jane. Mary Jane's a lot more kind of grounded than she usually is in the comics. And, Aunt May, you know, Aunt May is, is less feeble than she usually is in the comics. But I agree with Gerard in that, like, there is this sort of intangible quality towards – when people say this feels like Spider-Man, I don't always tend to agree with people who say that. Because I've heard that banned about a lot of times, whether it be, like, you know, Brand New Day or some of the movies or what have you. To me, I think this is the best – media representation and presentation from Spider-Man since the Raimi movies in terms of like iconic, okay, you have the 60s cartoon and Spider-Man's Amazing Friends and then the 90s cartoon and then the movies. Like in terms of like, you know, major Spider-Man history moments that you need to write down and underline with a red highlighter. This is the best one since the, the original Raimi trilogy because I think this effortlessly gets across the thesis of the character and and gets across like his whole world while still being very original. I mean, this is not Miles Morales' origin. This is not um, the origin of Dr. Octopus, but it doesn't betray anything by doing things differently. And you feel like Spider-Man. And like like um, one of my favorite things he can do is that when when he's kind of you know having a conversation with Mary Jane or worrying about his personal life, he will sort of like think about it or say talk to himself while you're swinging across the city. That to me is the comics. That's that's what he always does, and I've never done that before in a Spider-Man game. So like, uh, yeah, I think that um, this is where it's at in terms of like you know how you adapt a character because uh, it's a very straightforward and honest and mature take on Peter Parker without. Uh, leaning heavily on one era or another and kind of being a a perfect combination of all the things that have worked in the past. And I guess it could go either way, but I feel like Insomniac set the bar high because it wasn't doing an origin story because sometimes those can be, we've had enough of them potentially, but also those I think are more streamlined and easier because you can set up and and build your own world. But now we're starting, let's say, eight years in. And so things have already happened. So how do you have this story you bring people in but also reference what has happened before and not but not rely too heavily on the past and what i love about spider-man is the cast that he surrounds himself so you know mythology wise i just think about what are the rogues that we're going to be encountering and then what are the the side characters that we have that are so important to peter's life because i think spider-man um is absolutely an ensemble book i think it always has been and it always should be and so how are we developing those characters? How are we bringing them in? And so I, I feel like it, it does 
such a great job. And you're right, Gerard, that we've got the sort of the ideas of it, but the details might be different, you know, like Mary Jane. But hey, she's not a model. She's a photographer. She's a, a an investigative reporter. But you still have her. You still have that relationship between the two of them and, or, you know, her sweet nature as well as her her bite as well, I think, and, and Aunt May being a real caretaker. And then you have uh, a great group of rogues as well. Like I would say the the most recognizable Martin Lee will we'll talk about. I think that was, you know, a Dan Slott situation, which is one of the reasons why I was a little hesitant about it. But I think this does a great job. And, and I was thinking about, you know, how, how well does it reach both us who are fans of Spider-Man from the comics. Well, everything. But, you know, we very much love him in the comics and, and have history with that. As well as people who might, especially now, I think, with the, the generations coming out, know him just from the movie. And I think it does a great balancing job of both because I think people who do just know, let's say, Tom Holland, they can have that that fun enjoyable ride and learn about these new characters potentially but then for us there's so many details like you were mentioning don that would pass us by if we had no understanding uh, one of my favorite things which is such a small detail and we're going to get into details but on the social media it was jjj no wait it was john jameson and he had tweeted from space like how beautiful you know the the earth looks and then he mm. actually mentioned like later on it said that he was uh coming home and someone like replied to him you know be safe and everything and i thought oh my gosh you know john jameson it also got me really hyped because i thought of one character that they ne- never used that could be a really awesome villain to fight it would be man wolf but you know just like little <laughs> details like that you know i'm sure there are, i think there are more obscure references that i have also missed because i'm not the no no at all of the spider-man verse but just little details like that also just catered to me and i it got me super excited are there anything do you agree that it balances well for for newbies and and veterans oh yeah oh yeah because it yeah, does I think it does because because it, as long as it tells an engaging story i think you'll get new people because that's the thing that they value more because they don't really care about the details of, of like because they're not going to know the difference but I think there's enough of the of the little details to get like comic fans really interested too, and not to say that we don't love like a good story or anything like that. But like you know, usually if you're a huge comic fan, you're gonna want to see a little bit of the stuff you recognize, and we we had plenty of that. I mean, like you know, you're talking about the little details. Like I'll give you one that that I'm not sure too many people caught. There's a uh, one of the backpack items is a lease that Peter and Mary Jane signed for an apartment together. Uh huh. Did you catch the name on the lease? Bedford Towers, which is where they lived in the late '80s in the comics. Oh wow! Oh, I did not. I, I, I did not catch that. I should have been more eagle-eyed. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a Jonathan Caesar's uh, building. Oh, 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 oh man, that's a deep cut. I, no, yeah, I, I think that like, uh, like I know that you, that you, you said you know you, you kind of balked when you learned that Mister Negative was in this in this game, and I was kind of like you know okay, is this going to be like you know. Another product, kind of Marvel or modern Spider-Man, but I think that um, one thing I like about this game is that it does involve a number of like kind of like the last ten years of Spider-Man's continuity, which I think which I think is perfectly fair. Like um, I actually don't really have any strong feelings one way or the other towards Mister Negative as a character, and they use uh, Screwball in this. So like, so th- there are ideas, you know, Spider-Man's he's much more tech-minded now. Like 
like even in the very beginning before he updates his costume, his his mask is kind of you know retro not retrofitted, but like it's fitted out to be like a lot more kind of gadgety. And I think that's that's fair. I think that like I like the idea that like throughout his career he would have adapted because the te- the technology wasn't there in the older comics, like like back in like the eighties or seventies. So I think that actually kind of makes sense. And I like the idea that um this is a character with a real history, even though he's fighting certain villains for the first time. There's a no- there's a lot of classic villains from the Silver Age that he's fought, like, like, like Rhino and Shocker and Mysterio, they hint at, and the Lizard. So, like, it's certainly not – he's not lacking a history, which I think is cool. And I think that, like, um, fans want that. I think that it was actually kind of important for them to kind of establish this is an older Spider-Man. I mean, he's not really as old as he is in the comics, but I think the popular version of Spider-Man lately has been a younger Spider-Man. So I think that um, them referencing that he ha- does have this history kind of puts the puts players – in a certain position to be open to a Spider-Man who can do everything rather than discovering it for the first time with him. It's like, okay, wow, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And that lends themselves towards an idea that's been around longer for the character rather than just a beginner. It's like, okay, what, what can you do as Spider-Man? Well, if Spider-Man existed, he could be do, doing all these sort of things. And that kind of is more, I think, engaging than like, you know, a sort of beginner's tale. So I, th- I think fans of the, of the film's and the comics are both going to or should have liked this game because I think that uh, when you think of Spider-Man, you don't generally think of one specific version. So I think that like uh, placing the character, his personal history where it was, I think um, worked out well for the playing experience. How well does this game balance Spider-Man and Peter Parker? I, I thought it balanced them really well because like for um, let me let me give an example. You a lot of times people like gamers will want to play as Peter Parker. And I never really got the appeal of that because I want to be Spider-Man. I want to jump around and do stuff. What this game did really ingeniously was that it tied the two of them together. So for example, um, you know, you Peter in this game is actually working as a scientist. He's working for Octavius industries. And when he needs to go fix his costume and do some upgrades, you know, he goes to his civilian job to do it. Um, or you see him visit, the feast center because he wants to ask Martin Lee some questions about something he found as Spider-Man. So he goes and you know takes the costume off. He's Peter Parker. He goes and does it. I think what this game does well is that it it lets the Peter Parker stuff and the Spider-Man stuff inform each other so that it ties together cohesively. It doesn't feel like two different characters. Basically, you you get the impression, yeah, this is something that he would do a lot. He would he would use his civilian job to assist his Spider-Man stuff. Like Don said, he, it's it's kind of teched out. He has, like, you know, he can detect things through his eyepieces. He has some kind of, like, you know, light radar kind of kind of elements to it. But also that he, he can, as Spider-Man, investigate people that he comes across as Peter Parker. And I think that the way that the game dovetails that stuff is, first of all, kind of unique for a video game, but also probably the best way to do it without making it too intrusive that you have to be Peter Parker and having it take away from the fun of playing a Spider-Man. I remember when the 2003 Hulk movie came out, I think there was a video game tie-in and I remember reading the back and it was like, you know, play as Bruce Banner in spy missions or whatever. And I just remember that sounding hilarious to me. Cause it was like, first of all, that's not really <laughs> the character. And two, like, like, like what kind of fun is that? Wouldn't you want to destroy everything as the Hulk? Um, this is before that, like, like the much more iconic, like, I think I forget what it's called, like a video Hulk, incredible Hulk video game, Ultimate um, Destruction. Ultimate <laughs> Destruction, yeah. Of course, um, called that. <laughs> course. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. But I think that, like, I think Gerard's right in that, like, uh, one informs the other, just like the character. Uh, I was really surprised how much because I think that this is the first Spider-Man game to really put forth 
a real Spider-Man's kind of story. And I kind of have to be specific when I say that because the PlayStation slash Dreamcast game, you know, it was like, you know, Venom kidnapping Mary Jane because, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. And Doc Ock was behind it all. That's a Spider-Man story. And, you know, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin and Web of Shadows was all about the symbiotes. And Shadow Dimensions was like, you know, multiverse stuff. But this one is like... When you're playing as Spider-Man, you're assuming Peter Parker's life because Spider-Man is the story of Peter Parker. He, it's not a situation where he actually is Spider-Man as an identity. So I really liked how your love interest is involved and you need to rush to, to save uh, Aunt May or Black Cat, for instance. The people that you know, the supporting cast that you know, there's a real sense of kind of guilt towards letting them down or trying to save them. And I really like how that's brought in here. It's like – this game isn't ashamed to put that out there. And I don't know why that's the, the, anybody would be because that's the appeal of the character. So I think that like what helps make this, in my opinion, um, one of the better Spider-Man games is that uh, it's an understanding as to why Spider-Man is so appealing. And that's because of his double life. And the fact that like they were so embracing of his double life to carry the story, I think really p- – Really pluses it. I think. I, th- I think that like it's just that understanding that makes it makes it fun. It's not just a beat em up. It's it's um, it's an exploration towards his life. There's a reason why I want to get the pop fig of <laughs> this Spider-Man, but there are two of them. But the one where you actually see Peter Parker's face and he's holding the mask. It's because yeah, I think it blends it so well. And I I remember Don texted me at one point and said, you know, what do you think of these science missions? And I actually really liked them. I liked being Peter Parker and getting to see that side of him. Yeah, he could have been in the lab in a Spider-Man suit, but I think it would have just felt different. And it was awesome to get to work with the chemicals and like line up the spectrograph and then the the circuitry. I loved those. Maybe I'm just like a nerd because of that, but it just worked it works so well and I think it it humanizes him even more than he is already for for us comic fans but to swing around and and fight bad guys and then be on you know a date with Mary Jane or or go to the the town city hall thing which those were movies so you weren't necessarily playing with him but also having this relationship with Doc Ock as Peter Parker I think was really big and visiting Feast and my first playthrough, I spent. I feel like I spent more time than I should have in Feast. And at one point, I did like a little mission, which you didn't get any credit for. But it was like pick pick up pieces of trash, and there were three items. There were like three messes to clean up, and uh, I found all three messes and cleaned them up. And and you could, I don't know if you guys found that. But, I did not do that. Okay. <laughs> See, you know, I was like talking with the the homeless people in there. You could always engage with the the two that were playing chess. They always had some sort of complaining conversation. And other and Gloria that you first meet on a mission and send her to the to feast. You can always have a conversation with her. So just like you're able to interact with people that you're not able to interact with as Spider Man, I think they do an awesome job of that. And and yeah. Uh, <laughs> how? By the way, can, can, yeah. by the way, can I can I just jump in and t- say something about Gloria because I don't oh, think we'll sure. ever have a chance to mention her again. Oh, that's true. I didn't mention. Her is it exit. is it yeah. strange that she has a complete story arc in this game? You meet you meet her <laughs> help saving her from criminals, right? Yeah. But she doesn't want to get the help from Feast, and he tells her about the wheat cake, so she goes there. Yeah. And then you you see her in there all the time, and then towards the end of the game, she's not there anymore. And you found out, and if you, like, you know, you ask around, you find out, it's because she got back into contact with her family again, and they accepted her back. 
So she actually left Fee Center and went back to her to like living her with her family and things like that. And she so, got like, a job because she got a job yes. at like a coffee shop, I think. Mm-hmm. So like she actually has a complete story arc. That that that's just endearing and something you could easily miss if you weren't paying any attention as Peter Parker. But that's yeah. a good example of what we're talking about what you just mentioned where you, the Peter Parker stuff in this game actually feels significant because of little things like that. Yeah. And especially, I mean, this game as a whole, it's like all in the details, which is another thing that I want to talk about later on. But just like, there's so many, they just, it's an act of love, this game, because they just really spend time and, and everything you do has an impact on, on something else. Don, you had an intake of breath. Did you have something else? Oh, I was just I was shocked and appalled by everything I was saying. <laughs> no. Um, oh, by I, Gloria? <laughs> Well, yeah, about Gloria, like, uh, I don't know if I knew, like, her. I, I definitely tried to keep up with her, but I think I lost track of her throughout the game. I don't think I knew about, like, what had happened to her. But I remember upon completing this story, uh, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, and he said that... Not him. Please. No, no, it wasn't... Virtually Bert- doesn't play this game. <laughs> uh, it was Alex Evangeli, and he, he asked um, if, like... They mentioned Gloria taking over Feast, and he was like, was that Gloria Grant? And I was like, I don't remember her being referenced in the game, maybe in that, like, bugle letter. But, like, I remember, oh, wait, it's it's the woman you save in the beginning. So I didn't know about that, that she takes over Feast from Martin Lee in May. But I don't think I knew about the coffee shop job. So that's interesting. Is it fair to ask how this game ranks for you? Like, could you put it somewhere on a list? On a list of, like, Spider-Man games? Yeah. Like, how, how does it rank for you? Uh, I don't know if you want to say that till till the end, um, but okay. I can definitely. We can we can do that if if you feel like that's uh that's a better place. That might be a better place. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll keep you strong. <laughs> As like uh yeah, would you recommend this sort of thing? Yeah. Before we get into the story, I just wondered what you thought about and don't since I sent you my notes. Don't read the thing in parentheses because that's my answer. But what do you think about the pacing of the game, the story itself? Uh, I thought it was paced out pretty well. Um, the first act feels kind of slow, but it should because I feel like that's the act where a lot of things are being put in place. Once the once you get the story going, it it, it has a very good like you you feel like every mission is an important one. There isn't a lot of like filler story missions in there. Yeah, there's a lot of side content and there's some side quests and things like that. But the game lets you tackle that stuff on your own. So you can get through a lot of the game without doing that. Or if you're somebody like me who always does all the side missions first, (laughs) it it, it makes an interesting situation where you get later in the game. There isn't a lot of side content left because then it's just like you put your head down and you just go right into it. So when I got to the part where you're fighting the Sinister Six, I wasn't doing any side missions because I had finished them already. So it was just like bang, 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 fight, 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 and it, it like so for me the experience I got from the game was that like it was rolling along. You were a Spider-Man, but when it came time to fight the Sinister Six, that's all he did. He was focused on that like, like tightly. But uh, that's the thing about a game like an open world game like this is that the pacing of the story and of the of the game itself is going to depend a lot on how you play it and and your preferences towards doing side missions and things like that. I kind of, my, my, I remember this being a thing, I think, in the Spider-Man 2 game, although it's been forever since I played it, is that like every time I was close to zeroing in on the story destination, like like the police the bloody police needed me again and like there was always some sort of like robbery going on. <laughs> uh, and and I, I felt as the character, it was my responsibility to answer those calls of, of distress. So I would always kind of jump off the building and swing towards wherever it was. And I, and I, and I liked that. I, I, I was never frustrated and to kind of, kind of refer back to 
what Stell was referencing about like the the science stuff with Peter Parker. I like those too because I thought those were pretty pretty fun brain teasers. I never felt irritated by anything in this game. Whereas Spider-Man Two it was infamous for its like you know pizza missions and 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 the kid balloon. <laughs> oh, um, no. There's a reference to the balloon kid in this game. And it's a nice one. It's not as as, as yeah. vicious as the one in the Ultimate Spider-Man game where Venom eats a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well he's hungry. Yeah, like like like, like I actually when I, in replaying it got to that part where he's oh this kid made me a picture because I saved his balloon. I thought that was nice and uh, uh, not violent. I like yeah I, I like kind of going around and um, taking my time doing side missions, saving people because it, it feels like that kind of incessant needing and kind of you know distracting feels like Spider-Man to me. It feels like you know, okay, Aunt May needs me to come come to feast, or I need to help Doctor Octopus with this one thing. But there's a there's like a car chase going on right now, and I gotta I gotta go. That just feels like the character, and I'm glad that like they interpret that in Spider Man sort of you know universe rather than it feeling like this sort of you know needless. I don't know. Let me fix this a, a space station or whatever. It, it it feels like a Spider Man thing. I really like the pacing. I think I'm more aware of it now on my second playthrough. So I feel really bad because my second playthrough, I decided that I was going to ignore all side missions and crime activities and just focus on the story so I could get more of like a cohesive feel because sometimes I get really wrapped up in side missions that I start ignoring the main <laughs> missions. So I'll like, I, maybe I'm OCD, I don't know, but I have to like have set a goal. So I'll say to myself, okay. I'm going to do all of the landmark pictures tonight and play two story missions, like that sort of thing. So I wanted to just do, and I'm only, I just started Act 2 last night uh, on my second playthrough. But what I've realized is that this game forces you to pause between story missions and actually explore the city. Because once you finish something and you get your little XP boost... The next mission doesn't automatically pop up. Now, this may change in Act 3, I'm sure, where it's more rapid fire. But it actually is like, you know, he'll say something. He'll make a comment of like, it might be time to check out, you know, check on my city, that sort of thing. Or he has to wait for somebody like, you know, for Mary Jane to get back from the mission that she shouldn't have been on. But we'll find out later. So I love that. I love that you are, are forced to actually explore the city and just take time between the missions instead of go, go, going. And the missions... I think make it worthwhile. I love these missions way more. Another concern, and, and I think reviewers also come up with this, is you know how redundant is it? I remember watching a couple playthroughs of like maybe the first uh, twenty minutes or so, and then watching on IJN somebody talking about the, playing through the first hour, and someone was asking how redundant did the mission seem. And I remember Spider-Man Two. I love Spider-Man Two, the video game, but it. I feel like it was the same missions over and over again, uh, which was a little annoying. Maybe, you know, Gerard, you played it more recently, so you might disagree with me. But this one, I felt like, with the exception of the crimes, because, you know, it's either a drug or a mugging or a kidnapping or uh, there's like a hit and run, you know. But there are enough that you're not getting bored and you're not getting annoyed that, oh, no, I've got to do this sort of thing again. So I, I like how it's all spread out. And I thought that they paced the story really well, like technically. I think it's also because the the graphics are so good. I I can't stop staring at the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, really, like, like, like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want. Please stop me if I'm getting ahead of myself. But I don't know if you want to get into like the kind of game mechanics, like how you fight or anything like yeah, that. Was that for later? We can. Because yeah, I've got web swinging later, so we can talk about web slinging and and fights now. 
Okay, this is also kind of like the other side of making a great Spider-Man game because like the my favorite part of playing Nintendo 64 Super Smash Brothers was pausing the game and like kind of circling around and kind of catching the action in a freeze frame mode. Much as the chagrin of my brother and my friends who always like threw crap at me whenever I did that in the middle of playing. So um, the beauty of Spider-Man is that like a single player game, so I can do that. And I, if you follow me on social media, you've probably blocked me by now because I love taking pictures of the action in the game and you can do it during cutscenes and like kind of what's it called like it's like the full event there's a name for it like where like the game has a cutscene in the middle of a fight like like the card stuff oh, quick time event quick time event yeah where you um, have to like mash the square button or something yeah because because um dragon ball z budokai tenkachi oh no it was, it was dragon ball z budokai 3 <laughs> did that where it's kind of a cutscene in in the middle of fighting and that's really cool and i love how like i love webbing people up like the kind of like the uh the sneak attacks and kind of putting the little little cocoon, and I just love the different ways you can do that because. And in this game, you kind of make little panels out of them. You can kind of add little stickers or word balloons or gigantic action letterings, and you can make a comic book out of it. Which is which is to me another throwback to like there was like a comic cartoon maker of the '90s Spider-Man show way back in the '90s. So it's just like it adds to the comic book experience. And and between that and like, you know, events where you have to press such and such, like when you're fighting the Kingpin or fighting Doc Ock, that to me makes it feel like a comic book experience because those are like to me like the big splash pages of action. Like, oh yeah, to do it or else there's a disaster's gonna happen and like you can kind of really intensify the experience that way. And like I mean I just I just fell in love. I think that that's that's there's no better way to do that a Spider Man or really any superhero game like that because it makes you feel like you're contributing to the action of the story that you're enjoying. So I, I, I really want to give a shout out to that because I think that, that it's not just – it's a fun Spider-Man game, but there's these elements to really maxify, maxify, maximize the, uh, the experience. You can wake up now. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have something uh, on the, uh, the gameplay mechanics? Oh boy. Um, I guess I guess the way I would approach this is to compare it to what I thought was the game before this that had the best gameplay mechanics for a Spider-Man game, which was Web of Shadows, because that was one of the only games that was able to capture the idea that Spider-Man could fight in sort of different phases. Like they were emphasized that there was a whole different set of skill trees for ground fighting, for fighting in the air, and for fighting on walls in that game, and and there were specific mechanics made to tie those together so you could like you know kind of web zip two guys and then take them into the air with uppercuts and things like that this game does a lot of those things but i feel like it does it with a level of polish that they didn't have in web of shadows and so to me the the mechanically this is probably the best spider-man game i've ever played where it's all just so seamless and and easy to do like if you once you learn all the mechanics there i'm still doing new things like I, I posted a short clip on on Facebook a couple of days ago where I came across a uh, I think it was a mugging or something like that. It was a bunch of guys in an alley and they were like next to a car or whatever. And I looked down at it and I had so I I was like, how do I want to approach this? Because there are a lot of ways you can do it. And I remember I'm just looking down at them from the ledge. I said, okay. So I shot one of those uh, web bombs and it took out like five of the guys because they were so tightly packed together that they all got caught in that. And then I web zipped down to one of them before he realized it. He got knocked out immediately. And then I like just webbed the other guy, uppercutted him into the air, and then used my webs to pull him back down, and he was done. The entire fight with like eight guys was over in about five seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the this game gives you so many options of how to how to approach things and it and in ways that fit the character so well, I'm like, yeah, that was a Spider-Man fight. <laughs> 
that's how it would go if he yes. was fighting a bunch of dudes in an alleyway. And to me, that's that's the perfection of this game. It was is that it's it's almost seamlessly done, and it feels right, and it's easy to do. And that's all you want out of a video game in general, but especially a Spider-Man game. I agree. I think that like and this is one thing that Spider-Man Two like innovated was that like he can jump incredibly high. He can you know run faster than anything. He can like knock somebody into the sky, and that's he's he has superpowers. I think that like people tend to like over or kind of underestimate that besides just him crawling on walls is that spider-man yeah normal thugs should not be a problem to spider-man and i love how they implement like the spider sense system and all that kind of stuff where you can dodge all day and never get hit if you really wanted to or even if you get kind of overwhelmed your spider sense still goes off but like i really like how you can yeah between the combat system and the webbing system you can take people apart inside like 10 seconds and in the fight and i think that that's being really faithful to the character while still having him go up against things that would just destroy him like dr octopus's uh, metal tentacles and all that kind of stuff like stuff that, that is seems almost apocalyptic like i was fighting the shocker again today and that's like i don't know if the shocker has been shown to be this powerful in, in the comics but like this is probably a realistic approximation because you're still spider-man so you can still do crazy things while coming up with this, this guy who could probably kill you so i think i think that like i agree that like um Again, it's it's a great like how would Spider Man behave? That's true to the comics, and I think that this is uh, I think this gets it. I you know Shocker is my favorite like little C lister. I would consider him C maybe. Do you think he's a B? I think no, he's a B lister. He come on, he's got to be hard C, right? <laughs> the Shocker? Yeah, he's not Pace Pot Pete or anything. I don't know. Well, the Pace Pot Pete is probably D. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. But like, oh, okay. I don't know. He's a remainder villain. I, I think the Shocker's at least a B. He's not like he's not the worst villain he's ever fought. He's, he's not um, Will of the well, Wisp, right? Well, he holds a special place in my heart. So I was super excited when I got to uh, to battle up against him, and of course the quips, making fun of his little quilted his quilted <laughs> costume. But here are some secrets about me, people. Number one, I'm a button masher. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i when we have these games that are like technical i and god of war made me do this too i had to like be very pay attention where my axe was because sometimes i was lo- i would lose track of it but i had to be very intentional about how i was doing the combat and preparing to dodge you know watching for the the blue right before so I could have a perfect dodge and maybe throw a web in somebody's face. But I love that, again, paying attention to the details and, and hopefully racking up some combos. So in a way, it reminds me of Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City where you're you're dealing with hordes of people potentially. I mean, at least five. And you've got your attention is all around them. Some of them are just hitting you with their fists and some of them have more. I by the I hated the ones with the whips once you get later on the whips mm-hmm. and then oh, yeah. the sable international people who would shoot you and bind you with those red things and then you're like you have to rapidly mm-hmm. push circle or something. Those were annoying. But so I, I love the combat. I really liked it. It looks beautiful. I mean, he moves like Spider-Man should move. And another thing that you should know about me is that I hate games that the powers you can get, or I should say the upgrades that you can buy that you're working for when they're useless. And an example of this, it wasn't useless, but the, the what's that called? The what tree? The, um, Gerard, how'd you call it? Oh, in the skill tree? 
Yeah, skill tree. Thank you. The skill tree of Assassin's Creed Origins made me a little upset because there were just things that weren't useful for me. And I thought, eh, you know, this combat's not really working for me. But this one, everything that you could buy with your XP and your skill points were very useful. And I very much uh, enjoyed all of them, as well as all the little tech gadgets that you could have and the suit powers that you could have. Like, there are so many awesome things and you could switch them up and there's like infinite possibilities practically of you know the, with the suit power and then the gad the the special like the three inserts that the you mods. can have yeah the mods thank you for being my little vocab guy today <laughs> yeah it's just uh yeah i loved it and then the swinging as well here's the third secret about me is that i'm terrible at the swinging missions i love swinging through the city i don't like chasing after things it just takes me an incredibly long time you i feel like i'm making good pace and then something happens like i turn too quickly and i hit a wall and then all of a sudden I'm a hundred meters behind them and I don't like chasing things down or having to go through rings which I had to do so that's the the (laughs) third thing Okay, in fairness to you, though, the drone missions are terrible. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> the drone you. challenges might be my least favorite thing in this game, actually. Oh, my god! I didn't love well, that either. And then the screwball ones, I feel like, are even worse, where you have to do her crazy, <laughs> like, here's a photo bomb, and then you've got to go in a very specific order and shoot down the uh, those electrical things. Those were even worse. But I'm just bad at swinging missions. I don't know why. Uh, but any, you know, but the swinging is still amazing. I love when you can upgrade on the skill tree and do tricks. And so, uh, yeah, I just, oh, it's it's wonderful. It's, I have no complaints about the, the fighting or the swinging mechanics. You know, you brought up the Batman Arkham games. Yes. And I'm going to want to address something that I know someone's going to accuse me of on Facebook before it even oh. happens. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm kind of on the record that I really don't like those games. Okay. Very much. Oh, I like really? the first one. Um, but I, I don't like the the way that they break down, like you know, the stealth, and it's very. You walk into a room that's full of gargoyles indoors, and they're like, okay, this is a stealth room. Oh, or you walk yes. into the next, room, you're like, okay, this is a combat room. And and I wanted to address something about Uh-oh, the. Com- are you going to be a hypocrite? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> a lot of people. Donovan compare- doesn't like hypocrites because, frankly, <laughs> it annoys him. <laughs> damn right (laughs) oh don't even get me started on that (laughs) we're being civil here Um, but the reason i like the combat in this and i don't like the combat in the arkham games even though they are clearly like the spider-man is clearly inspired by the arkham games is that unlike batman i feel like spider-man is not batman controls in those games like he's weighed down by lead Oh yeah. He ha- like he has a very heavy amount of gravity and that makes it not fun because moving around it's like you're moving in mud. You know what I mean? Whereas Spider-Man is the exact opposite. He moves around quickly. And more importantly, there isn't a counter button, it's a dodge. And I feel like that makes all the difference in how the the fights are paced uh-huh. because they're way faster because of it. And s- since Spider-Man can jump higher and he can move faster, it's a lot more entertaining to, to strafe guys, to dodge, find the right opening, and then hit the opening. is is just so much more fun. And also the fact that, unlike with, with like the Arkham games, where if you have a stealth section and you go off of the stealth, you are done. Because Batman can't be shot at like more than like three times or something. Right. I feel like this game allows you more options, like we were talking about, where... 
you can choose, and if you're good at it, you can go through a whole section of guys when you show up with them, and you can take those guys out that way because, again, Spider-Man is fast and quick, and he can actually dodge and all that stuff. So I feel like those two things are the big differences, and they make it they make a vast world of difference. So I just wanted to get that out there before anybody starts complaining to me about that later. I think I, I agree with you because I, I remember – you know, the very, you know, people on the internet were eager to say, oh, well, this is a lot, very Arkham inspired. And maybe inspired isn't a million miles away from the truth, but I think that, like, the combat system just fits Spider Man like a glove. Like, it's not, I don't care whether it's a ripoff or not. And I've only, I've only been like 20% into the first game, so I've not really played most of those games. Not, although Stella and I did play a, a demo of Arkham Origins at Comic Con, but like, okay. uh, I think that, like, you know, sneaking down and grabbing people or kind of, you know, kind of doing the whole upside-down web line from the ceiling and stuff and kind of, you know, picking people apart without them even realizing it, that is Spider-Man. I think that's one of those things that, that a lot of portrayals outside of the comics have have never done. Like, there's that scene in the DLC, the heist story, where he webs a guy's hand to the car, and he just, he's just, like, kind of creepily crawling towards him, and the guy's just mm-hmm. freaking out, and Peter's not saying a thing, and he's like... Hi, and the guy like freaks out. Like that's Spider Man. Spider Man does play the kind of creepy stalker, uh, kind of like you don't know what he's thinking kind of mode. And I like doing that because th- there's a number of ways he can kind of jump into a situation that's not just swinging through an open window. So, I I would agree that like um, w- any comparison towards the Darkham games are, is kind of besides the point because is it true to the character? And I think it very much is. I have nothing to add to that. So I would like to... Well, I mean, I, I love the stealth ones. I was pretty bad at them in the beginning. But now I'm really using them because I'm on ultimate difficulty. So I'm trying to limit the amount of person-to-person interaction. So, uh, yeah, I'm just being super cautious. And I love it. And sometimes I get really into it and put on my noir costume. So I can really be in the stealth. <laughs> but we'll talk about oh, yes. more of that when we get to... Uh, our, our costume talk. So let's talk about the story. So we broke it down, and I've got some specific questions per act, and then we'll get into characters. So with the first act, as Gerard summarized, basically the fall of Kingpin happens right at the beginning. There's a power vacuum, and then we've got the rise of the demons, and at the very end, there's the reveal that... Uh, Martin Lee is, in fact, Mr. Negative, or at least the big bad. I don't know that he has a name at that point. But what expectations does the game lead you to have once you find out that the Kingpin is the first boss that you and you put him away basically immediately? So, I mean, is that setting the bar pretty high? I mean, what did you feel like when you find out that Kingpin is number one boss and then after that, who knows? I love that because... It ties into something we discussed earlier, which is that this Spider-Man has a history. It felt like we walked in toward the last five pages of a Spider-Man comic where he's going Mm -hmm. to go take down the Kingpin. And so, like, to me, that was great in establishing that this is a Spider-Man that's been out there and as Spider-Man for a long time. And they and they really get that across in the dialogue that he's having with Captain Watanabe, where they're talking on the phone. He's like, you know, I want to be there when this happens. I've been fighting him for a long time, you know, that kind of thing. And so that opening is great because it gives you a splashy opening to open your game with, but also because it's perfect for the tone that they're trying to set of this being a more experienced Spider-Man that you're coming in at the tail end of him fighting the Kingpin. And then from there, it's almost like a whole new world where no one knows exactly how, 
the city's going to react to it. That's a great place to start the story because it feels like you're what, – what's the term, Stella, in Medias Res? Yes. Where you're coming in like – Well done, right, sir. <laughs> I didn't study Latin, but I might have picked up a little bit here and there. I would agree. I think that like um, I was surprised that – the campaign was was a, it was basically a boss fight that you started off with, and I really liked kind of running into the building and fighting through every, everything. And I liked how it was very established that they that they're very familiar with each other. And he's like, all these years you're still a child. Well, that's part of my charm, isn't it? Like, I was like, oh man, this is this is freaking classic. I liked how the kingpin, you know, would like you know sick goons on you, then attack you himself. And like he he was a legit boss fight. There's always a debate about how much damage the kingpin should take on Spider Man, but it's a very like you know Ramita era comic book spider-man fight so i think that was really cool and i liked how throughout the game fisk you know he's not in the game but like he really has uh, a presence throughout the game which 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 is which is as it should be cry my livelihood um it, it's really <laughs> felt that uh the kingpin was around for a very long time and they're constantly remarking on him I mean, there's that line where he's like you know you know well at least at least fisk like New York, you know, he kept certain things in order. Wait a minute, do I miss him? Nah, like that. That to <laughs> me feels like okay. If Fisk is the first boss and he's out of the picture, he still has a he still has a shadow felt throughout New York. That's that's the Spider-Man comics. So it's, it's like they really more than anything else they they did right by uh, the Kingpin. I thought, and the fact that Kingpin is so recognizable and is a huge boss i guess pun intended but just like a a great presence in the world of new york both for you know the daredevil mythos and spider-man and he would oftentimes be the ending boss like that's what you would expect he'd be a season finale boss on a tv show the fact that he's the first one is setting the bar incredibly high and so i was i mean we know like the game developers are very open that you know you face off with the kingpin at the beginning and so i just thought what's going to happen Happen. But the fact that you've got the repercussions because of that, and then the story just gets bigger and bigger is insane. I, I still don't know how, how it worked out because you think, wow, this is the guy you're throwing at us first. You think everything would be anticlimactic, but it, it totally doesn't. So they just do a marvelous job there. Mm-hmm. What was your emotional reaction when Officer Davis died at the end, and I guess to preface this, if you want to answer this other question, do you think that we had enough time with that particular character to elicit a strong emotional reaction when he passed away? And I'm really wanting to talk about this because the comparison, of course, is obvious with Aunt May when that happened. So just, yeah, when Officer Davis died, were you emotionally invested enough to care about that death? I was like, ha, ha, ha. No, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> honestly, well, well, when he first showed up, I was like, Jefferson Davis, why did I know that name? And they revealed that, that he's Miles' dad, which I should have known. But I was like, okay, this is different. Because for those who don't know, Jeff Davis, yeah, that's, that's, that's Miles' dad. And it seems like that's his occupation in the upcoming um, Enter the Spider-Verse movie. But that's really not his occupation in the comics. Uh, all two continuities of them. <laughs> I forgot what his dad did, but like he wasn't a cop. So when he was a cop, that was my biggest reaction. That like, okay, this is a very specific and new version of Miles's backstory. So when he died, I was like, okay, they're doing this sort of Uncle Ben thing with Miles, um, uh, more so than anything. And again, like 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 I think I mentioned either to you or somebody else that Miles's continuity is is like multiple at this point in time. So th- th- it, it was it was fine. It wasn't like a betrayal or anything. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't upset at all. I was kind of more interested to see how they would use this to kind of further miles's story but i thought that it, i don't think if you're implying that like was there enough time to care it, i don't think 
if you're going to that, like, was it a cheap thing or was it sort of like, you know, ho there? Like, I thought it was kind of cool that, like, he knew Spider-Man throughout one mission. You could fight guys with him and stuff like that. So I thought that, like, if it was a nobody, you would enjoy it nonetheless. Um, I'm going to make a bit of a movie comparison here because this is actually something that I've discussed with a few people before. Um, where one of the hardest roles to cast in a superhero movie to me is that person who's part of the origin and then dies real fast. Mm. Because the key is you have to cast somebody in that part that's really likable for the short amount of time that you see them. And the perfect ex- good examples of this are uh, Dr. Yinsen in the first Iron Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, King Tichaka in Civil War. And, of oh, course, yeah. the uh, the uh, Raimi trilogy Uncle Ben are really good examples of this, where you th- combine screen time with these, like, you barely see them in the movie. I think Yinsen is in, what, like 15 minutes of Iron Man? Uncle Ben is in the Raimi, first Raimi movie for, what, maybe about the same amount of time? King Tichaka has one scene in Civil War. And I remember sitting next to my sister watching Civil War in the theater, and she cried when, when King Tichaka died. He was in one scene. The important thing isn't about how long they're there. It's about whether or not you can connect with them immediately because there's something about their personality or their presence that you find really likable. And I, I something about Officer Davis in this game fit that for me. Where, yeah, you didn't see him very long, but I felt I felt connected to him. He was a, he was a, a cool character. I liked him in the, in the little bit of time that I got to know him. So when he dies in the game, even though I kind of saw that one coming, I mean... You had to know something was up. They're like, yeah, go down to to City Hall. Nothing bad will happen here. Where, yeah, I, I was affected a bit. I wasn't, like, crying or anything like that. <laughs> no, that was the end of Act 3. Oh, <laughs> but, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, I, I was affected by, emotionally by his death in this. And I think it's because for the little bit of time that you got to see him, you got to like him. He was a cool dude. If this episode were in continuity with the rest of my show, I'd make a Cassandra Kane comparison. But <laughs> I can't do that because this is in continuity. And it will only make Donovan angry. But I I guess I I appreciate screen time and I absolutely hear what you're saying, Gerard, because I think you know, Officer Davis was a great character in what we saw. Um a wholesome guy, someone who I love that Yuri Watanabe says, you know, like what? How did she phrase it? I mean, she basically said he's a he's a good cop. He's someone that I like, someone that I trust, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then his interactions with Spider Man are also, I mean, he's intelligent. You can tell in their little mission that they have. He also goes along with his joking, so he's not just like I don't know, like a Harvey Bolt kind of guy who's who's got <laughs> no give on any jokes. Well, I guess Harvey sometimes has jokes. But yeah, it's bad jokes. Yeah, I guess I just wish maybe there could have been another mission with him to like really build that camaraderie between him and Spider-Man. But I think the emotional reaction that I had was especially, I think, playing through with Miles, because I think if, if Peter had not been knocked out and he had been helping people and then he finds Officer Davis, I don't know if it would have had the same impact. I don't think it would have as Miles being the one who's just staggering through, trying to keep from being spotted by the demons and then finds his dad. And the fact that, you know, in his last moments, which he didn't know were going to happen, of course, not Miles, but but Officer Davis, the fact that he shoves, you know, the bomber out of the way and is, is shielding with his body other people 
people that were on the podium, I think, goes to show his character. I do just wish, you know, I'm just one of those people that they like to see things. So had I maybe one more mission, I think, with him, like another investigative mission would have been pretty cool. But the the Mary Jane thing also adds to it because you got to, you know, he doesn't want to talk to her. And, and then she's pretty sly and says, you know, I just I just want to listen. And then he lets her jump in. So you get a, a, a bit more of a, a clue into him. But those are my thoughts. Um, I, I think the the subsequent scene, though, with uh, the funeral is also really important for this yeah. because, I mean, I'm, I don't want to get too much into this, but like, you know, I've, I've lost both of my parents already. And um, the, the conversation that the awkward conversation that Peter and Miles have is something that I can really directly relate to where it's. It, it, it that's one of the good examples of how well written this game is where you know peter's like well you know and and miles is like you know jumping in and saying what peter's about to say because it's so it's so it's cliche and it's stuff that he's heard before and so it, it challenges peter to have to come back later and engage miles more directly and and it, it informs their relationship they're going to have later on in the game but seeing uh miles's state of mind during that scene is really important to me for establishing part of the reaction to Officer Davis, where you get more of a sense of the weight that his death has to the story, because you don't usually get to see the aftermath of that kind of thing, you know, a couple of few days down the line kind of thing. I think that, like, uh, I, I agree that, like, um, I like how it starts uh, Peter and Miles' relationship at the funeral. And I think that it, I know we're going into Miles probably a lot more directly later on, but I think that like it's a great way to kind of bring Peter and Miles together because the death of Uncle Ben is the inset point for you know Peter kind of basically it's like the, almost like the first day of the rest of his life essentially, and like for Peter to kind of be there for Miles in that kind of very similar situation, I thought was thematically brilliant. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably get more into that later on. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any other? Thoughts just on the the story in Act One. Otherwise, I'm. I really liked how, um, especially in playing it again, how Mary Jane is introduced because she's referenced with Aunt May. Yeah. And like, like, there's that there's that scene where you, you know Peter's trying to distract her because they're gonna bring her a cake, and she's like, you know, it's about Mary Jane. Oh, I wish you guys didn't wake up. You would make some just wonderful babies. He's like, no, no. I mean, no. And like, she's kind of like foreshadowed a bit, um, kind of in the way she was in the comics, like not greatly so, oh, but you can kind of. No. You can make that. Oh no! What do you mean? Oh no! <laughs> well, I was just thinking about that terrible question that Josh asked me years ago. Oh yeah, how many how many uh, thought Speech balloons did she have? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many thought bubbles does Mary Jane have? And like, whatever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, but we, we don't have to worry about that terrible man right now yeah. who's not played it. Um, but I like how. Uh, it's like you know, he sees a camera. It's like, wait a minute! I know this camera anywhere. It could be. And then like he, she shows up, and I, and I don't know if you want to talk about Mary Jane now, but I thought that like introducing her that way is like, oh, because I don't know if I knew that she was in this game until then. So I thought that was kind of cool. Want to talk about her yet? Okay, I don't want to talk about her ever. I hate her. <laughs> no, I've got a character <laughs> section. So let's move on to Act Two, which I enti- I titled Mister Negative because that's really the focus of it. Though at the bitter end, we we do have Doc Ock, 
do you think there was, and really this was at the tail end of Act 1, so I could have moved it the other side, but do you think there was enough emphasis put on the reveal of Martin Lee as Mr. Negative? And I bring this up because I just played it last night, and it's Peter, he's in that, like, really disorienting moment of, you know, he's realizing all this stuff that's happening at the same time in front of City Hall, and he looks over and sees Martin Lee and his... The visage of, you know, the negative thing. But after that, it's like, I don't know, it just pans back, which I guess is his focus on more important things. But for me, it just didn't seem like there was enough of a shock. And it also could be because I'm coming from, well, I knew of Mr. Negative, you know, in the comics. But I just felt like it was passed over so quickly. And then all of a sudden, Act 2, he's trying to get Yuri to to get on that. And, and she said she needs more evidence and all of this stuff. So I don't know. What do you think when, when that reveal happened at the end of Act 1 and then just transitioning quickly into Act 2 of Martin Lee and Mr. Negative being one and the same? I don't know that the game actually treated that as if it was a reveal, though, because okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we're supposed to think that that people aren't aware of it. Like, because I got the impression that he hadn't been out in the open as Mister Negative before that, and then the fact that he's not making any attempt to really hide his identity kind of led me to believe that, like, yeah, I think he just shows that he has powers. I don't think there was any intent to have it be a secret at any point. And that's probably why it felt like it wasn't a okay. a bigger moment than it was. I would agree with I would agree with Stella in that like I remember when Peter says, you know, Mary Jane, Martin Lee is is uh behind all this. Like it it wasn't treated as a dun dun dun. It was like I mean I, I agree that the game wasn't trying to hide it from you. And I think that when you first see Mr. Negative the like the, 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 the subtitles on it, it says Mr. Lee. Um but like I do think between the reveal and sort of, you know, the communication of that information, it did feel kind of nonplussed. Like, oh, this is happening now. And I, and I wasn't sure how to feel about it. Didn't, I had to forget about that until you brought it up. But yeah, I do remember thinking that, huh, okay, now this is knowledge. Like, And Peter, I would think that Peter would be a little bit more surprised if he didn't know that. Because Martin Lee was such a nice benefactor kind of guy that like right. – Because I remember that being the thing in the comics that he didn't know who Mr. Negative was. But like in the in the game – there's no real sense of surprise from him. It's like, okay, we got to stop him now rather, rather than, holy crap, Aunt May's working for a supervillain. <laughs> there's none of that there. And so I think that, like, it, it felt like a cut scene, honestly. It felt like, it, you know, any of some sort of, like, with the level of writing this, this story has, that felt like a deleted scene that wasn't in the, in the finished cut of the game rather than, like, just a natural translation because it did feel very odd how Peter was like, well, got to stop this guy now rather than some, any of some sort of reaction. I would agree, I would agree with that. So my next question is actually a question that I am wondering. So it might just have a simple answer. And then <laughs> I, I didn't realize it before. But I want to talk about AIM a little bit and, and Doc Ock. And I've just gotten to this point in my second pay- playthrough. What exactly is AIM getting out of the partnership with Doc? And is it related to breaking into the raft? Because initially I thought maybe they were paying him to break into the raft and they wanted the Sinister Six. But if it's not related to that, why does Doc Ock actually need the Sinister Six? Wait, I'm sorry. AIM is in this game? Yeah, uh, you find out You yeah. find out later that after that uh, Ock loses his grant from uh, Oz, Oscorp that he started to be funded by AIM. If you look around on like the... He has when he has the designs of the raft and things like that on the little whiteboard that's on the corner of the room. It's after, yeah, it's the first time you go to the lab in Act Two, basically. It references like rocks on that kind of stuff, but I never knew that like 
they, they say like advanced idea mechanics and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there are boxes everywhere. Well, golly, <laughs> you, you, what, what do you think, George? Um, see, that's the thing. It, it's hard to tell without knowing what AIM is in this universe. That could have just been an Easter egg. Okay. Where where it's like it could just be a think tank kind of group, and then Doc appealed to them for some for equipment, and they gave it to him because they liked his research. It could just uh-huh. be something like that. And then, of course, you know, the more nefarious aspects or something that hasn't come out yet. I got the impression that it was more that he he did something to sell them on the idea that of his research. Because I mean, you you see a bit of this in, in the game when you know when you first meet him, and they have that whole failure with the uh, equipment where it kind of blows up, and then the the people come in there, and you know, he, he shepherds them into another room to talk to them, and and tells Peter he has the rest of the day off. If you actually go by the window, you can see that that uh, by his office, Doc is actually like appealing to them, trying to talk them back into like right, supporting yeah. him again. Yep. I got the impression that he, by this point in the story, his mind is starting to go a little bit. Okay. I suspect perhaps that he he got in contact with AIM, who's like a you know whatever their front is in this like you know supporting small think tank kind of companies like his, and perhaps he was able to convince them like hey you know my arms do this now but can you imagine later what we'll be able to do you know et cetera et cetera I think that might be a case where they were just investing in his technology now because they know that they can benefit from it later at least that's the that's just what I got from okay. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like they're it, not going to invest without knowing they can get something out of it in return. Yeah, it's hard to tell without knowing what AIM is in this universe, because other than that little Easter egg, you don't really know anything else about him. So then why exactly does Doc Ock need the rest of the Sinister Six? What purpose do they serve exactly, besides wreaking havoc? Is it to only mess up Osborne and his city, and basically carry out what Martin Lee had sort of been doing? Well... Okay, remember that mission where you go to Times Square and you try to track down where, where like, Doc's hiding or whatever it is? If you go in there and then they have all the equipment for the various supervillains, there's a lot of things you can interact with. Like the video, and, the audio tapes? Yeah, and, those, and like, some, some of the equipment and things like that. It kind of pieces together the story that basically they each, he gave them each a couple of things to do in order to get on some of the stuff that they needed to, to make the Devil's Breath. Ah, uh, okay. And also to sort of set his plan into motion. Basically, it was because he didn't have the time or the, the ability to do all those things. Okay. Okay. He needed he needed some powerful goons to handle some aspects of the thing for him just in case they ran to Spider-Man. Gotcha. Sounds good. Yeah. And I remember that in return he was building all these uh, things for them, devices. Yeah, right. Like I think he promised to Electro that he'd be able to turn into pure energy. I think he had like a... Yeah, I remember all Rhino that. Vulture. Get out of his suit, I think. Yeah, I think because Vulture in this version has cancer, so I think he was yeah. trying to tell that he could like make a, a new version of his suit that'll help, you know, like slow down the the ravaging of his body and things like that. Yeah, that's then that's borrowed from that um that story, right? Like, didn't he have cancer in the comics? Yeah, but then it it went to that goofy direction where he turned himself younger and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the animated series. Heck yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm a baby. Well, any any other thoughts on Act Two? Yeah. Um, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Don. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was gonna say because uh, the he releases a Devil's Breath at the end of Act Two, right? Yep. Yeah. As someone who's, who's oh, I'm sorry. As someone who's I from, have to bleep <laughs> you now. <laughs> sorry. Uh, as someone who's from New York, that was really terrifying <laughs> because okay. that's something that we all fear could happen at any time. Someone would release something in Times Square and, you know, just... Like anthrax or something? 
Yeah, exactly. Like that that's like a playing on a, a realistic fear. And I find that interesting because a lot of the times the villain plots in movies and games and comics are things that are like unrealistic or you wouldn't have any you wouldn't be afraid of. This is as a grounded and kind of realistic thing and that makes it a lot scarier to me. Where it's like this could actually have happened if if a scientist lost his mind, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Don? I I loved the whole thing with the raptor. I remember seeing cutscenes of that, but I think it was actually like like the footage they released was actually different because um, the reveal of Doctor Octopus at the end obviously was held back. But I think that like it was slightly different because it's one of those things that you completely buy, and the graphics were great, and there was the rain and all the kind of action. I remember just feeling really, really feeling this the the sense of terror. It's like oh crap, these super villains are all out now. It was just well, we got to round them up. It was like oh no. And um, that really felt like a, like a true Spider-Man comic moment. And so when Dr. Octopus appeared, I kind of figured the moment we knew that like Peter was working with Dr. Otto Octavius, that he was working on those arms, that it was only a matter of time. But the fact that he kind of appeared then, I don't remember that being – it was like he's already – we don't see him transform into Doc Ock. Like he, he has been Doc Ock for a while. It's like, oh And that really played a, a large part in kind of upping the stakes. So I, I remember being very excited about that part. I think they do a good job of showing him slowly degenerate. I, I think that it would, uh, if it were a quick downward fall, I think it would be a little unrealistic. But you start to see little things. So when he does one of the, I think it's an act two, after he's got the aim buy-in and, and he makes the new prototype. And he tries to use the remote control, and it doesn't work out. And then uh, he gets really frustrated. He turns around and, like, grabs his arm so you can kind of see that there's something amiss. And then, yeah, some of the, you know, his outbursts and things like that, I think they, they pace that downfall of Ock really well. And, you know, like I said before in regards to what Gerard was saying, that just the way the city looks, which is especially in Act 3, is, is horrifying. And it just takes such a quick turn, but it absolutely makes sense how people are walking around. You're, like, hearing coughing. And, uh, yeah. And, again, I really didn't like it because I was just attacked at all times. But it makes sense for the story, but I just didn't like it. (laughs) So in Act 3, which is very much, you know, Sinister Six and Doc Ock led, what do you think about taking on pairs of the Sinister Six? rather than fighting them individually. Did you mind either way, or would you have liked to take the time to take them down one at a time? Uh, I think I preferred it in pairs because it was unique. I think if it was just one by one, it would, you know, we've, we've, we've done that in the Spider-Man game. Sure. We fought all these guys. Yeah. But having them fight in teams is something that's unique. And I especially like that, the, that they put them in pairs that had that complemented each other. Like having fighting, especially the Electro-Vulture fight, that was some of the most fun I've ever had in a boss fight. And then mm-hmm. when you fight Scorpion and Rhino, where you're... I remember I had this this moment where I kind of ran out of things to pull down to the Rhino, and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I start to realize, oh, wait, I can use Scorpion for this. And that's when I, you have to start getting clever about how you fight. That was a really unique twist, and that's one of the things that made the boss fights great, because it's something we haven't seen before. Yeah. Even though, like you said, Spider-Man has been in however many games and however many platforms right. that we can still come up with something new and fresh and interesting is cool. Yeah. I remember um, when I was battling like the Rhino and Scorpion, that actually had, that was, that was actually pretty tricky for me. And like, it wasn't so much that they killed me a lot. Is that like, it was taking me a long time to get Rhino to where I wanted to where I, I, first of all, 
I was I was playing the game, and my brother and my cousin were watching me play it. And we're all like, you know, major like Marvel fans, and, like from like way back. So like I was, and I was dressed as the Scarlet Spider, and so it was a real kind of like you know childhood labor of a lot labor of love, but like you know kind of a realization, kind of fighting, I guess kind of living in the times we are now playing this game, and. It was my brother who told me, "Wait a minute, just just web that thing down." And it's gonna knock into right in his head. It's like, "Oh yeah," um, and kind of trying to figure out where I was Team and like game player. Well, he saved me because I was kind of just, like getting <laughs> beaten up. Uh, and it's kind of cool, like like um, kind of jumping really high and kind of recognizing the sort of geography of the level. There was a lot of dodging at the last second because of the rhino charging, and then like there was also scorpions' uh, acid tail blast, which I thought were like a legitimate, like you know. Frustration. That, that was not an easy fight. You know, it took me a long time to beat them, but I did beat them. And I just remember kind of like, you know, I think this game really captures how, like, the difficulty of fighting all these supervillains at the same time. Because they shouldn't be, like, they shouldn't be easy, but people have been kind, been kind of uh, level tiering the Spider Man villains. It's like, oh, he shouldn't have a problem with this character or this character. Yeah, he should. Um, and I liked how, you know, it wasn't impossible. You, you can't, like, you know, just clock someone in the face, but, like, if they gain ground on you, they're going to kill you. Um, so I thought that like the difficulty level was really cool and there was some, you know, I was reminded of how, when you fight the Rhino in the Spider-Man PlayStation game a bit, but I liked the ad, the addition of a uh, Scorpion because Scorpion is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. And, um, I think that he's underutilized a lot in the media and, um, it was, it was Rhino and Scorpion, then Electro and Vulture and, and then you fight <laughs> Mr. Negative and Doc Ock separately. Okay, that's a six. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought worked well because Mr. Negative was such a big bad for the whole of it. And I thought that um, his sort of like, you know, negative zone dream sequence reminded me of like the live stream from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, and not, not in any way at all, but kind of reminded me of that. And I thought that was kind of, kind of neat and interesting. Yeah, I agree. You have to take your time with this, and you do have to think strategically, which I think is is great. And that's true, I guess, of a lot of boss fights. But I'm also used to like Crash Bandicoot boss fights, where you basically do the same thing, and then you just got to hit them three times after a certain amount of things <laughs> yep. happen, and then you know you're good to go. Dingo dial. So, yeah, there you go. So just you know, being strategic about it, and to a certain extent, some of them get individual game time anyways because like miles has to escape rhino which actually i got very confused because i got lost in that shipping container thing and i just went around in circles for longer than is appropriate <laughs> in that level Luckily, <laughs> I got out. but so you get to see that and then you have that poison sequence which ends with the best part because you see peter parker and his uh in his underwear, but you know when you're poisoned and you're trying, so y- you get little moments where they are on their own. But yeah, I agree that it's something that has not been done before, and they complement each other, so they work well. Yeah, I was gonna say since you brought that poison thing up, I gotta say that's probably the only part of the game I really didn't like, as far as like the the missions go. Mm-hmm. For two reasons. One, it was a complete rip off of the uh, Scarecrow sequences oh, from go- yeah, Arkham Asylum. It, it is familiar. But- <laughs> But but also because it was the one time that to me that I felt like it got a little too wacky. Where like especially since the city like Dante is so cool and so well designed, to suddenly go into like a dreamscape version of that didn't work for me. And it's odd because when Mister Negative does it twice when you fight him, and it, that fits in perfectly because it's a contained space and it works. Yeah. But having to actually swing across a city that's like drowning in poison was yeah that was a bit much. But it's really it's a lot like the PlayStation game where like yeah. the 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 grounds were covered up by fog and you had to swing across it. Um, <laughs> and you go too low or you get affected. I actually like that bit because that's I really liked 
Peter's own like kind of like like psyche and hallucinations attacking him because that's that felt the most like the Spider-Man kind of guilt complex. And I, I think he, I think he said, you know, like great, now my mind's trying to kill me. I think I've reached peak peak Parker. I thought that was a terrific line. <laughs> um, and, and and like some of the things we were saying, I, I thought was were like sick burns. Like you know, I bet you know because you suck so bad. I bet Uncle Ben ran into that bullet. I was like, oh, that's cold. <laughs> Um, like like a little longer, they might have thrown in a little Gwen Stacy there, but like um, mm-hmm. I I I see what you're saying that like it was very high concept and, and a little bit a little video gamey. I do get that, but I think that like what what the kind of you know Spider Man retorts around it, um, and kind of is adding the seriousness of fighting the Scorpion justified it being the game for me. So as we all played towards the end, I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Where did you see the story going as you were closing in on the end? Did you foresee what happened? What? Wait, did you foresee what actually happened as happening? <laughs> that sounds like Caesar. <laughs> I uh, saw the future. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, what did you think as you were closing in on the last missions? What did you think was going to happen? Uh, I remember I remember playing it and I... And I told Zach, I'm like, I, I know where this is going with Aunt May. Like, uh, that that's almost too obvious that she's going to be sick. I did not expect that they would actually have, have the nuts to kill her off. That was surprising. <laughs> right, I know. But that's just the kind of, they were bold about how they did the story. Um, I will say, though, I was a little frustrated with the uh, the spider biting Miles. Not be, not ha- for the fact that it happened, but the fact that, like, as soon as the spider got on Mary Jane's arm when she was in Oscorp's penthouse, I'm like, okay, so she's going to go back to Feast, and then that spider's going to somehow get its way to Miles and is going to bite him. Okay. And it took, like, what, two, another two missions to happen? <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm like, I know what's happening. Come on. Come on. I'm, like, doing the speeded up motion with my arms. I'm like, let's ha- I really ha- like that that creep me out. Yeah, it, it, it just bugged me because I, that was a, that was one they left hanging a little too long. But yeah, the the actual the way that the story suddenly started speeding up though was really well done. Aside from those those two little nitpicks of mine, in terms of like like so we're on the, the Act Three part. Uh, I no, I did not. I really did not. I, I, of course, you you know you had to defeat Mister Negative, and it's certainly Doc Ock, and Doc Ock is is I would say arguably I, I don't know if he's he's my personal choice, but he is arguably Spider Man's biggest enemy. So I thought that like okay, we're also gonna, going to end up that i did not know there was going to be a reveal with harry osborne i did not know there was going to be like you know kind of a more developing story of that obviously i was wondering because throughout the game and again something i did not know going into the game there was this subplot of miles morales so i was like okay so how are they going to do that and like um i kind of figured out when, when she went to the kind of lab with the spiders but like i god that that, that truly creeped me out and I was I was happy to, to be over with it when it was when it was done. No, I, I thought it was I thought it was great, and I thought I liked the whole. I, I liked how the, the city was kind of being torn apart, like you know, with the sable guards and stuff, and like Silver Sable's involvement. And I thought that was a good illustration of this sort of you know things have to get worse before they get better, because otherwise, uh, for the most part, it was you're basically just kind of doing missions, but you know, and dealing with his personal life with Mary Jane and stuff, and you know, finding uh, getting kicked out of your apartment and stuff, but. It was very much a Peter Parker thing, but like you know, ultimately Spider-Man has to save the city, and I liked how they they kept that focus and kind of kept that in mind. So there was the stakes. I felt the stakes going into it. So I didn't necessarily see where it was going at all. I didn't think it was predictable. I, I didn't. I, I was like, oh, I'm sick. Okay, but like, um, I certainly didn't see what I was going to end up. 
<laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it was telegraphed at all. I think with the exception of the spider, but I enjoy those little things. You know, this is something that I know Josh and I differ on just be- like back row year one. I like those little little clues, however heavy they may be of, you know, oh, you know, you could we could be a birds of prey or whatever. So I like those sorts of things and I was just waiting for the spider. So I get really excited and, and wait for it to happen. But I knew there was going to be some sort of ultimate showdown between Spidey and Auk, but because of their relationship, that was, I was just wondering, oh my goodness, what is this going to be like at the very end? And then, of course, Aunt May, you know, getting sick, and, and yes, I did not perceive that she was going to die, but I was very concerned. And, yeah, of course, Harry as well, because the, the entire time, you're, you've, you're doing these little... um research stations and he's getting ready for france and so he's setting it all up and you get a sense of who this guy is and even mary jane talks about him in france and then when you're in the penthouse and you learn actually that he's ill uh so that's that was a that was a twist that i could never have seen coming so then with the ending uh, i do want to talk about especially doc ock and aunt may because mary jane we can talk about with her character but what did you think about not necessarily the fight but that final conversation between really i don't know if i could call it a conversation but the (laughs) yelling match yeah i know between the between you know the mentor and his uh mentoree a lot of people have been saying that like um that 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 was like one you know one of the major uh contributing factors to like doc Ock's character in this game and of course it is uh i was i liked how this game it 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 it, it was so close to being on the nose and it wasn't because auto activists is saying men like us have a responsibility to use our gifts and talents for the for the benefit of others he's saying great power great responsibility and Peter doesn't doesn't say no. You're wrong because there was a man, an uncle, who taught me that this or that or whatever. Like, <laughs> like but you, you, he doesn't say that. But you see what's going on in his head, and I thought that was terrific. I loved because I was worried that like that like this game would have like Peter kill him or whatever. So I like the fact that like he just you know took off took away the use of his arms, which which he's done in frequently in the comics, and even let him you know say, oh, if you help me out of here, I'll make sure your secret's safe. And Peter knows the better thing to do is to make sure he's locked up. So I thought that was really brave on on, on the Doc Ock end. I, I absolutely love their final confrontation. As far as the actual mechanics of the boss fight itself, it was nothing special. Um, I, I loved how it looked, but as far as like the boss battle, it was actually one of the least creative in the game. It was more about what they were saying to each other during that whole bit. Okay. And I loved... I loved Octavius's increasing desperation as the as it went on. Mm-hmm. Where at first he's all bravado and he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat you," you know, blah blah blah. And then it, that whole bit where he crashes through and he's on the table, and at first he's threatening, where he's like, "You know, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, your secret will be safe with me," like Don said, and you know, the reveal that he knew it was him and all that. But then as Peter's getting ready to walk away, you just get like he just becomes desperate and he's just yelling like, "Please don't leave me like this. They're gonna take my," you know. Where you wonder how much of that is sincere, and as it goes on, but then as it, once it's at the end, you know he's just desperate. The beginning of the game down to that point, you pity him, but not to the extent that you want to see Peter turn around and help him. Just to the extent that like, look how far you've fallen, and it is actually very. It, it gets you emotionally to see that. So I thought it was incredibly well written and well done. It was to me one of the crowning achievements of the game itself. As someone who loves Doctor Octopus as much as I do, what do you guys think of the costume that that Spider Man put on at the end? 
Uh, I didn't like it all that much because I'm I'm sitting there. <laughs> this game teases you a lot with black costumes that aren't the black costume. Oh, I know, right? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, so yes. so I'm like, oh no, it's another one that looks almost like it, could, it should be that, but it isn't. Um, I get what they were going for though with that suit. So I, I did like the idea of it. I just didn't like. I I will say that as far as like the actual game aspect of it, I hated that they forced that change on you right before the end because I would have really preferred to have my focus recharge so I could use it for health. But oh, that's just a minor thing. <laughs> nice. I didn't like the suit power that that one had, but whatever. The gadget refill. Yeah. 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 yeah I think the very- idea of it is awesome. Just that he makes it out of the same materials. So it's comparable to Doc Ock, and so it's almost like equal fighting equal, but it wasn't my favorite design, but, you know, I just went with it because I was forced to go with it, so, yeah. Yeah, the eyes are very Raimi costume movies, and, and if, I think you'll find, if you investigate the internet, there's a gigantic clamoring for, like, the Raimi suit to be, like, a, 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 a wearable costume in this game, which, which, is, which is funny to me. I mean, there's a real big clamoring for that. But, like, um, I, I like the idea of it because... Um, I mean, I don't really love the, the design either. Like, it's it's not really you know Spider Man y. It's just kind of a an armored suit. It is sort of you know an idea of like you know the Web One Hundred armor or what have you. And I do like the idea that like he can't just. It's kind of like in Daredevil season one. It's like you can't go on against this without any sort of protection. So the idea of it's fine. The, the, the design is like you know it's not my favorite design. But there are so many costumes in this game that I didn't really mind. And I kind of like the idea that like there's a special thing that you can do at the end to fight the boss. Um. Although it would be nice to kind of fight Doc Ock, I guess, dressing your underwear or something, uh, if that was ever possible. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, well, a, there's well, a game hack to do. Well, that's what New Game Plus is for, Don. There you go. I have yet to use that one. I'm sure everyone was shocked to know that I have yet to use that one. I'm waiting for a fitting time. Fitting time to do that. I guess it'd be a good, a funny time to do it when I'm in MJ's apartment. And so when he changes, he like changes into that instead, and then she does wear his clothes. I loved this confrontation between the two. I just think it was so well acted, so well written. I agree with everything Gerard said about just the decline of, you know, the being proud and and, and then going down to this. Uh, I knew, like, don't trust him, you know, but just, yeah, desperate, desperate for all that. There are few games in my gaming history, and I don't want to make it out that I'm, like, you know, a gamer, quote-unquote gamer, that's that's all I do. But, you know, I've, I've played my fair share. But there are few games that elicit an emotional reaction from me. Dread and sort of, it's not disgust, but, like, I don't know, like sadness or despair is something that The Last of Us elicits from me. It, like where I'm actually, I'm feeling that when I'm playing it. Um, Uncharted usually elicits general joy and also like um, sort of, you know, butterflies whenever there's Elena and Nate moments. And this was the first time that I have ever cried. <laughs> In a video game, and I cried twice. So it was like, and it was all at the end. What? So wait, I, really? <laughs> yeah, the first time I cried. Yeah, I, I actually find that hard to believe. Really? Well, I don't wow. know what other game there would be that I would cry potentially. Oh, you need to play uh, Life is Strange. <laughs> oh, I I actually recently watched something where someone was talking about that. It looks interesting. I'll have to do some more research. But anyways, so yeah, the first time I've ever cried, and it was all happening at the end. So I was tearing up with this one, and it was more, I think, with what 
Peter was saying to him because of just how much emotional agony he's in and, and how much he loved his mentor. And then, yeah, just the, the fall of Ock and, and the, the break of this relationship that you had seen from the beginning and, and how much... Uh, again, you know, I keep saying love, and I think there really was there, but, you know, he really liked Peter, and uh, he felt bad he couldn't pay him, and, and this work they were doing, uh, he was with him because he believed in, in the work, and, oh, man, it was just, it was so hard, and then, of course, with Aunt May, so, you know, kudos for making me cry during the video game. Oh, my oh, God. Are we going to talk about the Aunt May thing? Yeah, we so gotta talk about Aunt May. Yeah, let's move on to Aunt May. And since I'll, I'll, I'll take the reins first, and then since I haven't done that at all, but once he was in there and and he's told that you know he only has the antidote, he can either you know one or the other. And I was shocked. I think that my mouth probably stayed open. And then having that bedside conversation, and she's saying, you know, I want to see my nephew, and that whole reveal, and him being torn of what to do, but of course knowing ultimately what he needs to do, and, and her prodding him along. And then I think the real, so I'm crying, I'm crying again when that was happening. And the real gut punch, oh my gosh, how it was just choreographed or plotted out, storyboarded, what have you, is, you know, zooming up, seeing that over, you know, the two of them together, and then just hearing, hearing nothing else except for the beep, beep, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just waiting for it, and then it's black now, the screen is black, and you keep hearing that, and then, oh, it was, it was really well done, and you had, you know, unlike Jeffrey, unfortunately, you had really gotten to know Aunt May through various missions, through conversations on the phone, and then, of course, our history, you know, loving Aunt May <laughs> for her uh, her lovable self, uh, being up South Peter for dropping out of grad school, of course. <laughs> but it was, oh, man, it really got me. It was so well done, but it was so heartbreaking. So now you guys can have the floor. <laughs> I, oh, do you want to go to first draw? I was just going to say second star of the right and straight on until morning. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember because, again, I was, when I was playing the, the end of the game, my brother was in the room, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is so much fun. This is so cool. And I straight up did not believe that she was going to die until I heard, like, the um, the heart monitor go, mm. like, a flat line. I was like, surely there's going to be some, something that he's going to find to kind of save <laughs> the city. I, and it's funny because it's not like we haven't seen Aunt May die before. It's it's very funny, but I think because ever since like the constant need to kind of classify Spider-Man to like your basic status quo, I just the thought that like she could die even nobly was just never in my in my in my mind space. So like hearing that, I was, I was like, I can't believe they did that. And after I got over that initial shock, I'm like, this is you know, we we talked about ASM four hundred on uh, Clone Saga Chronicles like many years ago. And that's still one of the most classic Spider-Man stories ever. But I truly think this. I think this is this is this is where they they straight up one up the comics. I think this is the best version of that character to go because, it, as an inverse for you know Peter letting you know his responsible life down and Uncle Ben dying, he's being responsible and as a result Aunt May pays a price. But it's her decision to go out. You know, it's not he didn't do anything to, to have her die, but, but she's saying you know you're spider-man you gotta save the city and i know who you are and i love you and i thought that and, and you see how he nearly puts it to her iv bag and like he just can't do it i was mm-hmm. like that is such a spider-man kind of story 
And I thought you know, they won up the comics there. They straight up did. And I thought that was absolutely terrific. And if if there was anything else that need that, that this game needed to prove that they got the character, that was it. Because it's not a stupid situation, like, oh, it's on my phone or anything. But it's just that like that like devil's choice of how do I be good to my loved ones and how do I be good to the people I'm responsible for in the city. And I, I thought that was just completely gutsy and if, if 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 nothing else that this game does, if the, if the sequels are crap or whatever, this game will this series will always have that as a real like contribution to like demonstrating the character and and the kind of the stories the character brings forth. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. He fell asleep. I was gonna say sorry. I was on mute. <laughs> I pulled a Zach. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I, this is why fools are heroes, Spider-Man, because you never know when some lunatic will come along with the sadistic choice. <laughs> it's basically that. Like, um, but no, no. This is it, it. It took so many notes from Amazing Four Hundred, like Don mentioned. But yeah, this is just beautifully done. Everything about this was perfect. Like in terms of like just the, I don't know if cinematography is the right word, but the way it was it was laid out and and presented was perfect because you have peter lean in and they put like that kind of catch light right on his face so you could really see like his his reaction and the fact that he's clearly just distraught over the fact that he's going to have to make this choice like don said when he picked the 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 vial up whatever and he almost put it in her iv like almost like i was actually like cringing i was like no no don't do it don't do it and then you know then he puts it back down on the table i'm like okay it was it was heartbreaking. It was it was rough to watch. I was I, yeah, I, I I cried at the end of it was it was beautifully done. Like it was I couldn't imagine how they could have done that any better. And that's that's saying something. It's like it's like Don said, that that's probably the best version of that we've ever seen in a in Spider Man media, possibly. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I can't think of something that quite compares to it. It was it, but it was the the fact that they put it in a situation where it wasn't like, oh, he's not going to beat himself up over it. It's not his fault. He did the right thing. Sometimes doing the right thing doesn't get you what you want. That's exactly what ended up happening exactly. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did the right thing, and he still had to he had to lose what, what meant the most to him, and that's yeah. that's what life is. And it was that that's the hallmark of how well how well written this game is. That something like that would just put the capper on it all. Just beautifully done. I can't really add anything else. How do you think it compares to uh, ASM four hundred? Oh, it was. This is done better. I love the way ASM four hundred was done. You know, with the reveal and all that stuff, and reciting Peter. Like I said, second start of the right straight on till morning. Uh, but yeah, I I preferred the way that this was done because uh, it was a choice of his. Whereas an amazing four hundred, she's just dying. And it's more or less he's a passive part of the story. This, you know, he has the choice. It isn't much of a choice. If he's going to do the right thing, he has to let her die. And that, that it was that aspect of it that made it more emotionally powerful to me. Maybe they'll kill off Marissa Tomeo. <laughs> Would you care, though? Her weak heart can't take it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh, man. What are your thoughts on what the sequel story could be? What do you think? Oh, it's got to be symbiote related, right? It's got to be goblin related, right? (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't know where that goes. Is there emerging like a symbiote goblin? What if it's straight up like Spider-Man 3 and you have like like the new goblin and Venom and Sandman? (laughs) I hope Man-Wolf if if Well, you know, know, they did. 
<laughs> you know, they did tease Sandman, and he isn't that vile that's in his backpack. That is true, yep. Well, what, 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 if we're on the idea of like kind of teasing villains, one thing I love in this game, and I love when any movie does this, one thing I actually really liked about Spider-Man Homecoming is that like there's multiple villains. You have, let's, I mean, even if we take out the Sinister Six, there's Shocker, there's Tombstone, there's Taskmaster, there's Screwball. So it's a real, like, just cavalcade of Marvel characters. So what I would love to see is, I mean, they could bring the Sinister Six back in terms of, like, you know, the classic Ditko characters. They could introduce, or, you know, they could, like, have Lizard and Mysterio or, or Chameleon be in there. I would love to see, like, just, just as many villains as they had in this game, but, like, different ones. Like, like they could do Green Goblin and Venom, but they could also do, like, like Man-Wolf or the Lizard or, I don't know, the Looter or somebody. So I, I want them to kind of continue the trend of, there's a ton of villains that he fights, but there are so many Marvel villains, so many Spider-Man villains that there's just more of them. It's not just, uh, you know, the same ones over and over again, at, at least for starters. I'm actually really scared about this potential sequel. <laughs> and let me explain. The the aspect that scares me is Disney, because as owners of Marvel, therefore they own the, the character and, you know, the, I don't know what the details of their deal is here. My fear is that they'd want to push a sequel too quickly and that Insomniac wouldn't make it. It would be another studio. Oh, that would that would break me. <laughs> I would not be okay with that. Um, and we've seen that before. Didn't, uh, didn't another studio do one of the Arkham games? I think it was Arkham Origins or whatever. And then, like, you know, we, we've seen that with the Jack and Daxter series. We've seen that with oh. Crash Bandicoot. You know, and it always just ends badly every time. Like, yeah. Wait, I thought Naughty Dog did all three of the, the Jack and Daxter games. Am I wrong on that? There was a there was another one later called The Lost Frontier that wasn't done by them. Oh. Okay. Tales to uh, oh, I know all about that. Believe you me. <laughs> and they destroyed that one. Oh, yes, boy. Um, so my, my fear is that, and especially since Spider-Man was such a huge seller, it... it it was the best-selling game on PS4, apparently. Hell or I should say it is, to date, the best-selling game on PS4. I think that I, I'm afraid that greed may force a situation where they're just going to rush something into development. It won't be the care and, and effort put into this won't be done. I hope that's not the case, but it remains to be seen, I guess. Well, I'm wondering, like, uh, just for comparison's sake, I don't know, or I don't remember, like, the diff- the distance between Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, because those are both, like, back-to-back universally loved games by the same people i imagine so i'm wondering like, like if that was like a two or three year difference i would hope though and, I, and I, would, I think it's a good point to kind of actually bring up like like the video game rights because they reference all the marvel heroes in this game I mean, except for like the fantastic four and the x-men <laughs> well there <laughs> is the, lockjaw that's a fantastic um, four character oh was he referencing this uh, if you go to um, instead of having the Wall Street Bull, they couldn't get the rights to the Bull statue, so they just said they just said F it and they put a Lockjaw instead. <laughs> so oh. there's a statue, there's a bronze statue of Lockjaw somewhere around Wall Street. Oh wow, that that that's awesome. What I was going to say is that like you know, there's been a lot of discussion in the last several years about the television rights and you know with Spectacular Spider-Man and the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and the movie rights and all that kind of stuff. But I really like seeing, of course, there's Avengers Tower here as opposed to the Baxter Building from the PS One game. But like you also like you know see like um, like Alias Investigations and like Foswell's or Fogwell's uh, gym and um, and uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum and there's there's references to basically the MCU characters, which I like because. I know that like Sony and PlayStation are, are like you know like like tight. So I, I I love Spider-Man that's in a Marvel universe more so than not. You know as much as I love the Raimi films, that was always kind of missing from his world. And like I loved all the different Marvel references. So um, I heard somewhere I don't know 
who or, or if this is verifiable, but I heard that like Insomniac seeks to make these kinds of games for all Marvel characters, not just Spider-Man. Like they want to branch out into other Marvel heroes. And while I'm sure they would love to do a sequel to this, I'm wondering if that's on the docket first, or if it is like you know, kind of concentrate on the Spider-Man series beforehand. There's like an Avengers game in development now, but it's not by Insomniac, and we don't know anything about it other than the fact that it's being worked on. Mm. I I'm, I'm I'm blanking right now on who's doing it though, but it's a different studio. Yeah, I, I share your trepidation on that, Gerard. I also, I like the nods that he's in, an, in a wider universe, but I don't want those characters necessarily in my Spider-Man game. If only because I just want to focus on it. So mm-hmm. I hope that they don't they don't clog, clog the pipes, as it were. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, because I thought with the Harry Osborn in the tank and, you know, the green, I thought, oh, it's globulin green. I thought, you know, it's going to be <laughs> Goblin, and then all of a sudden the symbiote, and I thought, well, this is a, tr- uh, a, a turn. What's happening here? But, yeah, so something's going to happen with the Osborns. I'm not sure. And then Miles, I imagine, is going to play a bigger part. Of course, with the DLC, we see that he's, he's asking for training, and he inadvertently, maybe not inadvertently, purposely, not on purpose, used his powers to show off and dunk over somebody at school. So I'm I'm wondering <laughs> like how Andrew Garfield. Yeah. I'm wondering <laughs> how they will balance between those two, whether it'll be one of those situations where you can trade off, so no matter the mission you could <clears throat> be either or it'll be very mission dependent on, on who whom you would be. But no, I guess it would be who you would be. So uh yeah, but I imagine he's going to play it hard, I would hope. But I'm just hoping for yeah, more villains and villains that I've not seen. Again, I'm, I'm putting the call out for Manwolf. I think that's a possibility. I think it'd be cool. I mean, it's not like he's an A-lister. And this, this is your Twilight fandom coming in and wanting to I see more of that. <laughs> oh my god, Manwolf and Morbius together. <gasps> Whoa, that's like oh, crazy. So hot. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I, I think you're right. I, I think they like the next game, a great way to kind of make the, a sequel out of this game uh, for, you know, just, I guess, mainstream players would be to have it like, you know, Spider-Man 2, and there's two Spider-Men with Miles, because he's he, it, it, he's obviously going to be Spider-Man in the next one, because they really tease it here, and I would love to play, like, some levels as Miles, some levels as Peter, or maybe you can do entire campaigns, one or the other, like, I don't know, it's like Sonic Knuckles or something like that. So that, that, that would be really fun. I think that, like, that's inevitable, and I'm looking forward to that, because I really like Miles Morales. Um, I just hope that, like, it's not one or the other. Either it's you have the option to do either or in the game or it's both. Well, I want to as as we're winding down, uh want to talk about some of the characters here. We've touched on a lot of them, so I don't want to spend time on ones we've already touched on. There are a couple I do want to bring up. And just to go quickly through the voice actors because we have to give a shout out to them and there are some brilliant voice actors here, especially Yuri Lowenthal who's amazing. When I heard the the trailer I knew it was him, and I've been a, a big fan of his. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm a big Ben 10 fan, not the recent incarnation, but especially Big Ten, Ben 10 Alien Force. I really love that when he's 16, and, and that's Jerry Willenthal. So he plays Spider-Man Peter Parker. I guess there was some hesitancy, I found in my re- research, for him to be the lead because he had just played the lead in Sunset Overdrive, but he, he got it, so they did. Mary Jane was played by Laura Bailey. Aunt May, Nancy Lenari, Jefferson Davis, Russell Richardson, Miles Morales, Najee Jeter, Yuri Watanabe, Tara Platt, Dr. Octavius was William Salyers, 
Norman Osborn, Mark Rolston. Wilson Fisk is played by the husband of Laura Bailey, Travis Willingham. Silver mm. Sable was Nicole Elise. Martin Lee was Stephen O'Young. And then the Sinister Six, I just put like the rest of them. But it is important <laughs> to note that Electro is another fan favorite of, I think, of all three of us, Josh Keaton. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think they like, didn't Christopher Daniel Pars once play like, Electro as well? Is that becoming a thing now? Oh, where older <laughs> Spider-Man come back? Oh, the people who play Spider-Man come back to play? Specifically to play Electro. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have no idea. I feel like that might have happened once. I think you're right. But, <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about a couple of these. Especially I want to start with Mary Jane because we haven't touched on her. I've been sort of dodging that because I want to save her for now. But just your thoughts on how she's presented. I know some people uh, on Facebook, I think, you know, in our group sometimes I see this complaint that, you know, why does she have to be this low slain type? But, I mean, that she's an investigative reporter. Do you have any thoughts on that? Of course, the shipping, we must talk about that. JJJ had a <laughs> podcast all about it, and he, he basically was talking to me, I think. And also, you know, the breakup, now that we know, I mean, whose side are you on in in that little uh, war? Do you think that uh, Spidey is too overprotective of Mary Jane, or do you think Mary Jane gets herself in over her head? Yeah, so just your thoughts on the Mary Jane character. Many, many different things to talk about, however you... Uh, She is a little Lois Laney. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. Um, It it always jumps out at you when, when it's such a departure for the character, but at the same time, I really liked it. It gave her a lot of interesting things to do in the story. Like, she wasn't just there to be there, which I appreciate. And I, I think more importantly, they wrote her like a like a fully realized adult. It seems like a silly thing to say, but when you, a lot of these characters are written in such a juvenile way in the comics sometimes, it's good to see, like, a Mary Jane who has, like, a, a legitimate point of view, but not to, like, a nagging aspect, like... They both have good points about each other about and the reasons they broke up and things like that. But yeah, you they're also both really nice people and you want to see them get back together again. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, I really loved Mary Jane in this. I was initially hesitant because of the Lois Lane aspect of it. But it, it won me over very quickly. And honestly, I, I know a lot of the sections where you play as Mary Jane have gotten a lot of hate. But I got to be honest, I actually quite enjoyed them as a little... Breakup. It wasn't as much of the story as I was as I thought it was going to be. Same thing with Miles. Um, they there was just enough of them sprinkled in there to make it to to break up what could be monotony, which I don't think it was, but just in case. And yeah, I, I liked Mary Jane a lot, and I think especially in the DLC, the the first episode of the of the of uh, the DLC, the Ice. Yeah. Yeah. Where where. Um, I guess I don't know where if you want to talk about that. How much you want to talk about the DLC? If I can oh, get yeah, into you this, can but... drop whatever. Yep. So when when there's the whole discussion about the possibility that Peter is the father of uh, Black Cat's child, because apparently when he and Mary Jane were broken up, he was raw dog in that. Wink, wink. Uh, oh <laughs> scandalous. <laughs> the way that she reacted to it was very natural and, and human, and I thought it was very well written. Where at first she was like. You come on, man. But then you know later she was like, okay, you know that's we were broken up. It was fair. You moved on. You were you were with someone else. You know that it's not like I didn't date many many people. Where <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah, where she threw that in there just because you would mess with them, I think. <laughs> and it did. Um, 
Yeah, like she was a, she was so well written in this game. I, I like. There's one little scene that I think is it perfectly encapsulates that, which is when I think it was just after the scorpion uh, acid trip sequence, where they're on the uh, they're sitting on the steps right outside of the uh, on the roof somewhere, and they're having a, a little bit of a conversation. They're having a moment, and then Miles kind of walks up behind them. He's like, "Wait, oh, sorry, did I interrupt anything?" And they're like, "They're like, no, no, you didn't," and you know. Spidey swings off to go do his thing. He's like, wait, are you like Spider-Man's girlfriend or something? And I just remember that that little scene. You got everything. You got uh, Mary Jane being helpful. You got them having a pretty frank kind of discussion about where they sat with each other. And then, of course, a you know, nice little comedic button. And then so, yeah, I, I love Mary Jane in this. And I didn't think I would going in, but it won me over quickly. I think my initial reaction to her in how she was presenting the game. It was a bit like I felt the game wanted her in the game, um, or the game developers wanted her in the game, but they didn't want the, the comic book version, which is by and large, like you know, at least at least I think we can agree initially. There's a bit of superficiality with the character and how she's introduced, kind of as like kind of the va va voom girl, and you know, throughout her history, she was an actress and a model and kind of stuff, and it felt like the game didn't want to do that. And that is kind of my preferred version of the character because I think that's very specific to a love interest rather than a love interest kind of being like a damsel in distress. Mary Jane is somebody who's always had a very kind of you know proactive career, which I think makes sense in this version. So I felt that this was a little bit reactionary. Like, let's have Mary Jane in the game, but let's not her be basically a sexist kind of trope. And I wasn't sure how to feel that way. And I remember when my brother learned that he was very 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 derisive towards it i won't repeat what he says but like uh, he was like oh man but like um i liked how you could do versions of her in the game and like you know you could like you know stab guys with a with a stun gun and stuff and i like how she furthers the plot and it feels like the game there is a little bit there is it felt like it was her game uh at times because you're learning things and you can see her perspective on things with peter like it's not just how Peter views her, but how she views Peter, like, you know, dinner at mix, like, like this last, the last six months never happened or whatever. So it's kind of presenting a story with her that I really liked. I really love that you have a Spider-Man game where the ongoing plot involves his romance. Like it should be like, it, it's developmental. I like, I love all the scenes between the two of them and how, how they kind of come off with each other. They're not like, you know, these sort of, they're a little awkward naturally because they're exes, but it's not this sort of, you know, geeky spastic kind of thing where like they're yanking each other's collars and falling on dishes and stuff i told i know i told some of this but like my favorite cutscene in this game is um i think it's, i think it's after you beat mr negative or something like that but like uh maybe for the first time but uh they're texting and i think spider-man says he's like do you want to come over or whatever and I what happens, but, but like he says, you know, okay, it's over. And she's like, well, you know, well, if it is, if you say it is. And like, he's like, oh, no, I didn't mean that. And uh, <laughs> there's that whole, the, first of all, the image of Spider-Man texting an ex-girlfriend is awesome. But just the kind of, you know, desperation and the very realistic sense of, you know, relationship trauma is so Spider-Man that I absolutely adored it. And again, like with, with the DLC, I loved him. You know, you can swing across the city and like you're freaking out. I was like, wait. The black cat, son, could it be? Uh, no, could it be? Should I tell Mary Jane? And when you tell Mary Jane, she's like, "Oh yeah, you did the black, the black cat. That's funny." Wait a minute, are you? Oh my god! And she like has to hang up. Like I thought that was terrific. So um, I I I I, I love that aspect of this. She's one of my favorite parts of the parts of the um almost the film, the <laughs> game. And I think that like uh 
I would definitely love to see that continue in, in future installments. I, uh, you know, it's interesting because the heist, it pops up pretty quickly if you do a new game plus. I can't remember what, after what mission, but certainly in Act 1. I feel like it's, it's, right best- after, it's right after you get the new suit, basically. Yeah, but I feel like it, isn't it best played after you beat the whole game? Don't you think oh, timelines yeah. are probably back together before the heist well, happens? Well, I mean, it takes place after the main game, clearly yeah. for various reasons. Yeah, because because of the whole like stuff, the stuff you find from Black Cat kind of uh, tips it off, and the and and he he flirts with her. He says, "I like it when you talk dirty to her," which he could not have said that earlier in the game. You know, Mary Jane, I I always feel like she has hidden depths, and I think this probably comes mainly from my love of Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane in that comic series. So I loved that she had this very proactive role, and she wasn't just a damsel in distress. And I liked playing her. You know, um, obviously you can't do crazy stuff. But the fact that, you know, you have to be stealthy and just as Dawn said, getting her perspective on certain things, getting to see villains that you might not necessarily see. So she's the first person who sees Tombstone until you end up doing that side mission with Spider-Man. And then being the one to, like, call out the hits for Spider-Man when you're in the, the subway. It was the Grand Central Terminal, I think. I was about to so, say the museum again, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and my favorite cutscene. So yeah, I I loved her as a character, and like I said, she's got that sass. So it's funny when they're in front of City Hall, and he said, "This isn't my favorite cutscene, but I just remembered it." And he says, "You know, I could make you dinner." And she's taking a photograph, so you don't know if she like had heard him, but she like puts down the camera and she like rolls her eyes and said, D-, "You know, she knows what's up." But my favorite one is the actual dinner and. And, man, my shipper heart was just, it was bursting because she was on the computer (laughs) and he said, oh, gosh, what is the line about this? Oh, weakness. It was about weaknesses and and talking about maybe Mr. Negatives. I'm not sure. But, you know, she said everyone has a weakness. Mine is. And you're like, oh, my gosh, is she going to say it? Is she going to say it? And then she says, whatever you're making. You know, so it didn't work out like that. And then, of course, (laughs) he leaves. And and you can tell that there's just this comfort there because um, he's in his clothes. And where'd his civvies go? And then she points him back to it like did you just drop your clothes in the kitchen you know pick them up and uh yeah <laughs> i loved it and i'm so glad that they got back together and it was so funny it's almost like fourth wall breaking because everyone wants them to get back together you know aunt may and then the the line order cook i think they're called which was of course stanley and as a as a fan you want them to get back together which is scary because dan slot's helping to write this and he's the one that broke them so you know that was a little nerve-wracking but i i well done well done well estella not everyone wants them to get back together the internet is dying for spider-man and yuri wanabe to get together are you serious that's funny well well okay okay it's actually kind of funny because Yuri is played by Yuri Lowenthal's wife. Ah, okay. So they unintentionally may have had a little too much romantic chemistry. Gotcha. Well, yeah, let's talk about Yuri because I wanted to talk about her anyways. You meet her pretty quickly. At least the majority of the relationship is through phone communication, but she does pop up. And I... I I loved their interactions. They were just so much fun. The spider cop and how, it, you know, she gets annoyed. And then, um, you know, I think it's after... Oh, he asks her an explanation in Act 2 about um, 
Silver Sable, and then he says, she apologizes, maybe, or, and he says, you know, it's okay, you're still my best buddy, and then she says, we are not, you know, you're not my best, he said, whoa, that took a dark turn, Yuri, so just their (laughs) camaraderie, I think, works really well, it almost reminds me of, almost, like Batman and Jim, if Batman had a sense of humor and wasn't a jerk, but, um, (laughs) but... (laughs) Was weeks ago you this? Yes, of course. But it's oh, I, I think it's just really well done and, and it's great. Uh yeah, I like her as a character. I think she fills the role that she needs to fill as kind of a handler, like a police handler. And it's not too much of Yuri, and I don't think we needed any missions playing as Yuri. So I, I was glad for her inclusion. I I like like Mr. Negative. I liked her inclusion in the game. And I think that like I think this game does a better version of Brand New Day than Brand New Day actually did because you have a lot of stuff that was there at the beginning, like like the feast and Mr. Negative. I know Yuri Watanabe came there eventually, um, or at least in the dance lot era. I thought she was cool, and Spider Man's had a number of like you know cop friends, like Gene DeWolf, like Captain Stacy, like the guy from the JMS era. <laughs> I forget his name, uh, Lamont, I think. Detective so I Lamont. That, like, Detective Lamont. Yeah, so he's he was. Uh, in the ASM 500 that showed the or, last or, or, or if he's drawn by Mike Diodato, not Robert Redford. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen him. I liked, first of all, I liked, I liked just kind of having that like diversity in the game. And I thought that she made, she was a lot of fun, you know. Like, I liked the whole, you know, I know I can trust Spider Man, I can help Spider Man, but she's also kind of giving him crap every now and then. And I like little lines like, you know, um, uh, you oh, I thought you gave up cigarettes, you know. She's so like, I, I don't come up here when I want to leave somebody's crap or whatever. And like, can I take you to the policeman's ball? Do you have a black and white suit? And he's like, Ugh. but like, um, I thought she was great, and um, I like that they and she again another often ignored element of Spider-Man comics is his relationship with the police, which is you know kind of ebbs and flows. But when he has a contact on the force, that can be fun. And I thought that I think honestly, out of all the cop characters because i have read the gene wolf stuff but it's been a long time so i probably do based on this game like her the most in terms of like you know his cop friends so i'm, I'm pretty happy with the decision yeah i, I love uh captain wanabe in this game uh, like a lot of people i think i was a little scared when i saw how much brand new day stuff was going to be in this game when they showed the feast center and captain wanabe and, and mr negative when we all thought he was going to be the main villain in the game and we were all tricked yeah, I, I loved her inclusion in this. She was she was funny, and, and they had good interactions between her and Spider-Man, but she was also an important part of the plot. I, I liked her a lot. Get possibly even a little underused. I would like to see more of her. Mm, yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there'd be too much of her. With Mr. Negative, because we, you and I at least, were hesitant about Trardonazone. How do you think Always. he was... <laughs> how do you think he was utilized? Do you feel like you liked him better than his how he was portrayed in the comics? Did you have empathy for the character? Thoughts on this guy? I... Okay, I... I read through all of Brand New Day. I don't even remember his origin from the comics. <laughs> I don't remember what I don't remember what his motivation was. I don't remember any of it. Like he was such a non-entity in the comics that I just forgot all about him. Um, but in this game, I thought they gave him a good motivation. I I liked seeing his character in the beginning, where you know he's a good guy, but then you kind of get cracks in the armor, and he's kind of short a little bit with people, or when his reaction to seeing the mask that Peter brings him. And just eventually when you start learning about what drove him to do what he did, it makes sense. It, it's a As a character, he works ten times as well as he does in Brand New Day 
you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's almost laughable that it's the same character because you might as well just say that he's a unique character to this game for what this game has done for his profile. I, and I, I don't feel like that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, uh, just wonderfully done character, and I and honestly, by the time we got towards the end of the game, I wouldn't have even been mad if he was the main villain. He was done that well. Yeah, and I don't even think that like it's just, it's. I never got the sense that they were trying to put him over in the in this game. Like Mister Negative is like the greatest enemy Spider Man's ever fought, or whatever. It just felt like another person that you know that was close to Peter Parker that Spider Man had to take down. It's it's just that Spider Man dynamic of a type of older maybe mentor figure becoming sort of a disordered version of using your powers responsibly or irresponsibly. And I thought that... I, I never got the sense that the game was trying to put him in his case. Of course, you have Dr. Octopus looming in the background and the Sinister Six in the foreground. But I liked how he was kind of a specialty villain. And I really I, I really do like the balance of classic and modern stuff here that this game has and everything between, like, you know, you know comic book references and, and kind of movie references and, you know, the use of the characters, like, you know, with Watanabe and, and Martin Lee. I, I thought that... I wasn't expecting to know his origin story, and I'm glad that, like, I don't, and I don't know if that's a Christos Gage or Dan Slott insert, because, yeah, I don't remember his origin in the comics. I just remember he was, he was just kind of a mob boss who kind of wanted to steal, steal Spider-Man's blood. I don't remember, like, him wanting to just kill Norman Osborn. The only time I remember a villain wanting to do that was Mendelstrom and the Vulture in the first episode of Spec Spidey. So I don't know if it's, like, a well-torn or well-worn plot at this point, because he was really mad in this game, and I, and I, even though you had to stop him when when he was saying Osborne sucks and Doc Ock said Osborne sucks, I was never like, oh, these guys are crazy. I was like, nah, they're right. And you know, <laughs> if, if if this was like a Telltale game, I could probably just let them kill him. I don't know, but I, I thought he was really cool. You did bring up something good though, which I have to, I feel like I need to respond to, which is that the the way the game balances all that stuff is great because it, it Mr. Negative and Captain Watanabe and the Feast Center and Miles Morales it all fit together seamlessly. Where if I did if I wasn't familiar with the comics, I would just assume that they were all you know long time characters and things, and they all are just part of Spider Man from the beginning. It was it, I just feel like that was worth pointing out that like they they really fit them all together really really well. I liked Mr. Negative in this game, which surprised me since I have bad memories of Brand New Day. But I, I think part of it is he solicits empathy from you. Once you learn, of course, about his past and seeing those videos, and then just little moments, you know, the the fact that he had that party for Aunt May, and that's the first time you meet him uh, in the game, anyway. And then when he leaves Aunt May, he says he's got a business trip, or well, he's got a trip that he's been planning for a while, and he says, take care of Feast, It's the it represents the best part of me. And then when you are as Peter and investigating and you find that note he left for Aunt May, like, you know, the care that he has for Aunt May, I think all of this make him a more three-dimensional villain than just, like, an evil bad guy. And I think that's something that's true of Doc Ock as well, though that one gets a little muddy because clearly he's losing his faculties towards the end. But I I appreciate um, Mr. Negative more because game. Uh, the last person I want to talk about is Silver Sable. Uh, I don't know how much you might want to say about her, but just her presence in the game. Uh, she's antagonistic towards Spider-Man in the beginning, and then kind of a partnership, and then she goes off. I mean, was she well utilized in this game, or do you think it was more of a shoehorn in? I don't know. I don't think she was. I don't think she was shoehorned, but I don't think we saw enough of her. Where she just kind of came across as like Osborne's goon for a good part of the story. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, this is kind of up in the air because she may be the subject of the third episode of the DLC. Okay. 
Well, so it, I don't know. It did that, hint. There was a hint in the heist. About, mm-hmm. Yeah, something happened. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. The jury's still out on that one. But as far as the base game goes, I thought she was a little underutilized. I like the uh, cutscene where like Spider-Man starts to take her and she kind of like, gets over on top of him. Like I think that's a good utilization of what she can do. And I remember her. It's kind of funny because she was very similar utilized, not not nearly to the same to the largest extent. But like um, I remember her being an antagonist in the Ultimate Spider-Man game. Which Ben is eventually put in the in the comics. Uh, I remember you fought her. I forget who was. Probably was Ben um, in that game. And like my understanding of, of, of Silver Sable um, is very much '90s based, where she's kind of her own kind of thing with her wolf pack mercenaries and stuff. So this one was kind of similar, but I, I couldn't tell if they were kind of playing her off as a mercenary or as a security goon or what have you. So I like that kind of she kind of went off as her own and was not beholden to Osborne's way. She wasn't a henchwoman exactly. Um, shoehorned in. No, I don't think so. I don't think that she necessarily took up space. I don't think that, like, you know, why are we dealing with her? I, I felt that she for, served a good as a good foil. And I think that all the characters this this has a large cast, but I feel that like all the characters fit in perfect pla- 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 oh places that um that that uh are well occupied. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Unspeaking. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I I don't think that like um I mean. No, I, I mean probably they could have had her out not in this game. It would be fun. <laughs> okay. I think she just got hit with some laughing gas over there. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, no that tends to happen a lot, isn't it? But no, I, I I don't have any complaints about her inclusion. Could she not have been this game? Sure, but you know it's more. I I like the continued usage of the Spider-Man mythos, and and to that end, I thought she was cool. I. You know what? I'm going to tell you something really weird, listeners. And it's that I was very distracted by her because I was, number one, trying to figure out why she was always wearing that trench coat with her arms uh, scrunched up. Not her arms, but, um, like, shoving the sleeves up. And I thought, why not just take off the trench coat? And number two, I spent the entire time trying to figure out if she was fat, thin, or muscular. And I just really, I don't know. Like I, every time she was on, I was like, I, I can tell because of that trench coat. I don't know why it bothered me. I guess I don't know. I maybe I'm brainwashed by today's size standards, but I guess I just imagined her to be lithe. Maybe Leith? probably muscular, yeah. But lithe, I think it's lithe. Lithe. <laughs> I, Are we doing this? I've always said lithe. Uh oh! Is right. this a, uh, a YouTube situation where you say how to pronounce? But then again, I've I've been arguing with people a lot lately. It's aunt and not ant, but that's just a regional well, thing. That's it. No, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Aunt is spelled aunt. Huh. And it really bugs me whenever I see a a, a Spider Man movie and Spider Man says Aunt May, and I'm like, no, no one in New York says Aunt. Yeah, the, even that like accent. It's it's like Peter Parker doesn't has ever spoken like that. I I, I kind of see what you're saying, so because I'm looking at her now, and yeah. I'm wondering if it's because of the silver hair, they're playing her as as like older. Like, is is Sable supposed to be like I don't say middle aged, but like she looks like, like a fully grown woman as opposed to someone who's a young adult yeah. like Spider Man? Uh, like if that. I remember from the character profiles, I think she's supposed to be in like her late thirties ish. She always came across about that age in the comics to me, but then again, it's been a while since I read it. Life. Oh, it's life. Life. Uh, <laughs> whatever. I, I, I pronounced a lot Dustin of words moment to... right there. Is <laughs> Dustin also speaking Google? No, but Dustin mispronouncing. I have to go on his mispronouncing. Like what, like Apple or something? 
No, not at all. Yeah, I, I would agree she's not shoehorned, but I don't know. She was more of a distraction for me than anything that I could like get on the side of. Oh, look, it's Silver Sable. So I'll be interested to see if you are correct, Drew, that she's in the DLC and then hopefully my opinion. But either, I, you know, I could have done without her or not, but it would have changed, you know, if Silver international was there and she didn't appear i'd probably be complaining of like why'd you do that so see i I got a question for you guys then do you think that you wouldn't feel that way if they had incorporated her into a boss fight i mean i I can't imagine spider-man having that much trouble with her ultimately when it came down to it well really because she seemed to get the best of him in all the cutscenes. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel that like um, when when you when you're kind of being serious, I feel that like he would like you know just kind of just run up and like charge punch her into the air. She'll be fine. Just whatever. <laughs> See, I, I don't know because uh, it's a, it's a tough situation because I feel like it would have been better to have her as a boss fight. And I don't want to make this into a thing, but you can't really do that anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't think you can have a, a scene where Spider-Man just beats the hell out of a woman anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Why not? That, that would be a weird thing in the the current political climate we're in. So I I feel like they might have been hampered from that, where they couldn't they couldn't put that boss fight in the game. Yet I felt like her character might have needed it. I did notice in like the uh, the scene at the I believe it's the uh, Kingpin's art museum where the where the uh, the dragons come in and you know, they they back, they smack the uh, the woman that MJ cons and they like they, they, they like punch Mary Jane in the back of the head. I thought that was really really. Uh, I almost said a certain word. I thought that was really uh, jerkish of them to do. So maybe this game has, has portrayed violence against women as like being specifically evil rather than on, on equal footing, which is which is fine. I, I wouldn't necessarily be arguing for that. So that's that's an interesting observation. I mean, Spider-Man's combat is this where you, you can put people down without laying a finger on them, just whip them up. So it would be interesting if that was presented as a way where you had to inflict violence as kind of just throwing you know mailboxes at her or just kind of webbing her down whenever you say the word jerkish you can also exchange it with a synonym of that which would be batmanish so to you could have said to hit uh mary jane in the back of the head was very batmanish i don't like the host of this of this podcast can we change the <laughs> that's a line you know it okay last thing i want to talk about are the details just the the small bits that uh, we've passed over, but they play a huge presence. So the first part are the, the social media, uh, the JJJ podcast, the cell phones, of course, that pop in repeatedly. So it's almost like the real world peeking in through our video game. How much, well, rather than that, how well does this game balance that, the real world bleeding into uh, Spider-Man? Oh, I, I, I love how modern this game is, and it feels totally natural. Another, and I don't mean to like just you know every time we talk about Spider Man, we we complain about the modern stuff or like those stuff for the last several years, but I really do feel that like um, a big uh, kind of highlighted element of the comics were just a desperate need to modernize them, and it, which I felt that there was never really a problem for the two thousands era of comics. They they felt modern without trying too hard, but this one like you know Spider Man has his own Twitter account and his kind of selfies and stuff. <laughs> it felt fun without it feeling pretentious. You know, and like, you know, James has a podcast where you hear his voice all the time. That doesn't feel like <laughs> they're trying too hard to be with the kids. That felt terrific. And, you know, there's a lot of cell phone stuff, people calling Spider-Man. It felt so easy and natural without it, without them trying to say, ah, he's young, he's young, he's young. And in fact, he's not like, you know, a little baby Spider-Man. I, I, I love to death how modern this game is and realistic this game is without it trying to impress upon me that it is. 
I really, I really thought it was, it added a lot to the world of the game where you got to see how people react to what Spider-Man is doing. Like when you do a little side mission or something like that and you check the little social media and you got somebody saying like, Hey, Spider-Man to save my dad from like a carjacking or something, you know, like that just, that felt like it was, it was, it added a lot to what the activities you were doing. Cause a lot of the times in games and in Spider-Man media in general, you, you don't get the sense of like what he means to people that he saves and things like that. So that I thought that was a really, really cool thing to see, but also that they used it really well in that the, the little in-game fake Twitter, it almost has a few little storylines going on. There's a really, really poignant one that goes on when um, there's like a, a character who's like mentioned that she's visiting New York and that she's going to go down to City Hall for the uh, for like the ceremony or whatever because it would be so cool to see that. And then like later on in the game, you see like her her father like on the Twitter thing, and he mentions like you know, uh, rest in peace to my daughter who died in the in the City Hall incident or something like that. Oh and my I god! Just, just thinking like yeah, I, I like we never even met that character, and I just for, like it, it. I caught myself for a second. I'm like, wow, that's wow. I never even real like just a few lines of text just in the game. That just relate to something that happened in in the story. Wasn't there like a, people visiting, and so you got to see them, and then later on they're like, "We can't get out of the city; it's in quarantine." Yeah, yeah, there was that too. Like after the Act Three, when all hell broke loose, and they were mentioning that, like, you know, stay safe, and we're we're, we're like we're in trouble because we can't get out, and then. JJ's podcast, of course, tying into all of that, yeah. where he's like, <laughs> I love that he was basically Alex Jones. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I mean, like, that was definitely a thing where you could not help but notice, but at the same time, it was so JJ that, like, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't disturbing. Yeah, he was, he was Alex Jones-esque in the way he was peddling the conspiracies. I love when he implied that Spider-Man evolved from a, a spider and was eating pigeons. Now, some people falsely say I make up stories about Spider-Man. And this will not help my case because it sounds outlandish, but I have personally seen listener-recorded video of Spider-Man snatching pigeons. Pigeon napping. Why? What possible purpose could there be for such aberrant behavior? I've thought about it long and hard, and I think I've figured it out. He's eating them. We've always assumed Spider-Man is a man with the attributes of a spider. But what if it's the reverse? What if somehow a spider gained the powers of a man and he's stalking his prey? Somewhere there's a giant web with these poor pigeons stuck in it, waiting to be devoured. And will it stop at pigeons? Will we be next? I promise you this. I will not rest until I have the answers. Uh, that's some of the funniest thing I've ever heard. But yeah, at the same time, he's still in character. Like in the third act, when the city goes to hell, he he's using his podcast to, to give people tips on how to stay safe and like you know all that kind of stuff. It was, it was really well done. I, I like that aspect of it too. Where yeah, he's blustery and funny, and it's mostly for comedic effect, but it also ties into his character again. They never lose sight of that with anything in this game. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's the best part of it is that everything is reacting to what you're doing in the game. W- with JJ, especially, you know, social media, I echo everything you said, Jared. And, and with JJ doing missions, because I've noticed now in my second playthrough that I'm missing some of his podcasts because I'm I'm ignoring the people's plight. 
But when you do something, he'll have people come on. Like, I think you save a bus, and then he has someone who is visiting from Minnesota, I think, and, and talks about it. And if you wear the spider punk outfit, which is what he, ta- he talks about, you know, there was something called punk rock in my time, and, and talks about that. So it's it influences what pops up. So I love that it's all so tied together and that nothing that you do is ignored. I, I, I agree. I like how... um reactionary it is where it's like yeah i just heard that spider-man is tracing impressions and then like i like how it is huge it's it's in his character just just like gets upset at the most innocuous things that you're doing one of the things that really had me laughing early on was like him i forget what he was babbling about but like he's talking about like um baristas and how you should never trust the the guy with the men when serving you a latte (laughs) because just how old man he sound he sounded and like uh once it got into the, the the funniest really is the black cat bit one of my favorite bits was um, when he says, back in my day, the, the black cat was uh, a male cat burger. Now they've rebooted him to a female. <laughs> now, look, I, I love women in a non-harasser kind of way. It's like, oh, my God. This is really... <laughs> that, that was so, like, like of, of 2018 times, but it was so Jameson that, like, I was crying laughing. <laughs> it was so good. I think my favorite might be the shipping one. Like, there's so many good ones, but when I was playing the heist, and all of a sudden he starts talking about shipping, my jaw dropped. And, <laughs> and him talking about flame wars, that people get, you know, intense over this, and then yelling, you know, from JJJ to today's youth, if you love shipping so much, join the Navy! I just, I <laughs> loved it so much, because I harassed my students with ship like shipping them openly with other students so you know it is my blood so to have that is, is hilarious i love it. oh trust me we thought of you as soon as we heard that too <laughs> oh man i like how angry he got that he heard people getting angry about it <laughs> he's like i don't get this oh my gosh. like kids call it flint or like you know like jared my intern jared tells me this or that or whatever like oh yeah that poor producer especially after he calls out the mob and is like you know i'm not scared of you jared go start my car no go do it yeah yeah so because in in the modern comics he's not in like neither peter nor jameson are in the bugle anymore because he is like you know like like doing the facts channel which is basically fox and that kind of stuff but like again as modern as it feels, it does not betray the characters one bit. And like he's, you know, he can be kind of calm and kind of erudite and kind of silly and, and whatever. And he's completely blustering and manic. I thought it was uh, J.K. Simmons at first. I was like, it can't be him. His his star has fallen, has risen too hard. But like, um, Hi. That, who's who's the voice actor for J.J. in this game? I mean, I I, th- I thought he captured him great. I mean, my Jameson's always going to be Ed Asner, but. There's been some terrific Jameson. Maybe it was like Dan Norris who did this particular Spider-Man version. I just I just thought he had every element of the character down, and it was fun. It's, it's fun to have Jameson in Spider-Man World too because he's also been kind of inconsistent. We've not seen him since the Raimi films, and uh, I know he's in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, but like, uh, I, yeah, I thought I thought he was wonderfully realized here, and I liked how you could have Jameson without being seriously threatening towards Spider-Man, just you know, kind of in the background. No matter what you do, he would just kind of just complain complain about you. One of the things that I don't think I, I did often that I can do on the second playthrough is kind of collect the newspapers. I've only collected a handful oh, of those. Yes. Oh, the newspapers are great. In fact, um, there's a big part of the, there's a big plot reveal moment that happens in the newspapers of the heist, which I don't know. Like I 
I, I don't think most people caught because I've talked to a few people about the game and they they were surprised when I told them this. If you pay attention to like the little sidebars and the small headlines on the newspapers that you get in the heist yeah. part, you find out that there was actually a special election that happened after the end of the game story and that Osborne didn't get reelected. Correct. So he's no longer they the, mayor. Who, who's the mayor. No, they don't say who replaced him, but they but they mention that Osborne's no longer the mayor. Doctor Doom. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you vote kids <laughs> uh j jonah jameson was darren DePaul. oh okay for a half second i thought it was the same guys from specs Spidey, but he darren DePaul did the terrific job oh yeah he mm-hmm. absolutely did oh uh, well my last one before costumes is just the i i call it the district shopping list so each district had certain things you need to do too of course there were photos secret photos as well as landmark photos backpacks to find um, black cat little statues, which really means that she robbed a place to find. And then uh, crimes, of course, as well as hideouts or bases. So did you feel it was redundant at all? What did you think about these? Did you have a favorite or a least favorite of this, as I call it, shopping list? Uh, hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think about that. Well, I, I'll start then, as you think. So I didn't think it was redundant. I think it could have gotten close with the crimes if there were more than five per. As I said, there there were there was enough. I mean, of course, you're going to repeat as you go through the different districts. But I thought I, I feel like Spider Man Two, the game was it was just oh, there were a lot of similar ones. <laughs> so this was I, I think enough that it was special. I think my fa- I actually really liked finding the backpack mainly because of what was inside and just getting a sense of who Peter was through the years because some of them were very early on and goes through his history and everything. And the bases, some of them, I mean, I liked trying to get, of course, gain all the tokens is key so you can get your costumes and such. But it also helped me hone my combat and, and just get better at fighting. And the Taskmaster challenges were they were kind of challenging i liked them though mm-hmm. because they were different i would say again you know anything that has to do with web swinging certain amount of time and in space is always troublesome but i liked the the stealth but yeah i had to repeat several of them several times in order to get superior i think it is yeah i don't my least favorite you know to be honest i didn't really enjoy the screwball challenges in the heist as much i wasn't expecting it to happen but be i maybe because she's just an insane person and like she's narrating everything you're doing at all times because of course it's you know like a live webisode and especially when she's like photobomb but the worst one i think (laughs) was the gadget one where you could only use two gadgets because for the first time i was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do because I had pushed them up into the air and then was beating on them, but you could only use those gadgets. It like took me one whole mission to figure that out. But uh, so I think those would be my least favorite were the the screwball. Mission. I actually like the screwball stuff. I, I thought that like she was a unique villain. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> I know that's, that that she was a bit of she was one of those villains that a lot of people didn't like in Brand New Day, but I thought that like as realized, I kind of like the kind of mischievous nature. I think she's deadlier in this game than she is in the comics. Oh, absolutely! Like actually, like you know, bringing people out to kill you and stuff like that. But I, I don't know, like kind of fighting people and kind of the whole photobomb thing. I, I found fun 
And I would agree that like, I loved getting the backpacks. Like sometimes it was kind of something innocuous, like, oh, this is like you know my degree or whatever. But I like the comic book references. Like here's my my original Spider-Man mask lens. Here's a uh, spider signal. Here's my my underarm web. I was like, oh, that's really fun because it, it reminded me that it was the closest to like getting the comic books in the PlayStation game, which is just like any reference to the comic books is, is an automatic like my favorite part of the, of the game. And I also like kind of taking the the, the landscapes. I'm not a New York. Uh, citizen, so I didn't know every place that that were that was um, uh, needing a, a picture. What those places were, but I kind of wish that there was a bit more integral taking pictures. Like, I, I respect that he's not a part of Beagle in this game, but if he was, I would have liked to take like pictures. Like, I don't know, like maybe you get points out of taking really cool pictures of Spider-Man or whatever. I thought that that was really cool. It seemed to be kind of set up to be like that, but there was never really any in-game. Uh, necessity for it so i kind of wish that's something that's a little bit more expanded upon in, in further games uh i really like the uh, your so-called district shopping i, I like that they had <laughs> bits to do in every in every section i did i, I was appreciative that they kept track of it because there are some spider-man games they don't quite uh, keep track of it it's hard to when you're trying to get that 100 yeah. percent there are things about it that i like and there are things i didn't like the thing is if you if you kind of played them as they came up then it wouldn't get repetitive to me like yeah I because I, I was doing it at my own pace, but if you kind of held them off towards the end, I could see where it could become a slog to do them all before the end game. Um, I, I did love the uh, you know the tracking down the landmarks and things, and also uh, this is kind of a weird thing, but there are way more landmarks in the game than they actually give you for the tokens because there are a lot of them that don't count as official landmarks that I noticed. Like, um, oh, what's a good example? Uh, I, I, uh, Grant's tomb, or the city group center, or uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the the not Freedom Tower, or uh. like all of those counted as as like secret photos, I guess, but they weren't actual like official landmarks. That was really strange. But yeah, the ones that I didn't like were probably just like the drone and bomb challenges because. Uh. The thing about those, about like the stealth and combat ones, is I felt like, okay, if I did it differently, maybe I can improve my time and stuff. Yeah. But with the drones and the bombs, I felt like I just, even if no matter how many times I tried it and I tried different things, I could just never get better at them. Like, so, and I got gold on a couple of them, and you know, that kind of thing, or like whatever the, the max one, I don't remember what it was. It was like amazing, spectacular, or whatever. Like, once I got like a certain thing the first time, that's pretty much what I would get every time. <laughs> those were just wow. And the fact that the challenge tokens are so intrinsically tied to getting costumes, like, later in the game. Yep, yep. Ooh, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that at all. Although it's alleviated a lot by the fact that the DLC adds more challenges. So you can get more tokens and things like that. So yeah. at least with that, it's a little better. But no, no, I, I, I love the fact that each section had its own things to do and, and stuff like that. Because it, it gives you a little meta game to play around with when... If you decided you didn't want to do missions for that particular time, like oh yeah, I got a, I got twenty minutes to kill. Let me uh, do some crimes or whatever. I love the uh, little like like kingpin warehouse areas or like the you know, the sort of dragon place. We just beat people up in a warehouse because I liked mm-hmm. near the end of the game when I was trying to get one hundred percent. I was I liked um, you know okay like, hey, get throw these guys in the air ten times do like you know focus finishers or whatever, and it the more and more I played it, I think I started out this game button mashing, but the more and more I played it, Ooh. I was really. Pre- I was really professionally kicking butt, and so like I, I enjoyed. And sometimes it was a little annoying. Like I didn't know how to like air throw the guys in the jetpacks at first. I had to actually look online and say, "Okay, what do they mean when they that do that?" That was a hard. That one was a hard challenge. 
Yeah, it did that be like like I think like forty five minutes gonna get through because there's so many people and like <laughs> <laughs> and I was and I was um I'm sorry. did I tell that sounds so bad. Well, did I tell you that like one time when I was playing this game, one time I was playing this game, I uh. I <laughs> did the Joker talks. Just let it. Just let it happen. Just let okay. it happen. Let's get back. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, time, one time I was playing this game. I've never told this before, but I, I got a phone call from a number I did not recognize. So I instantly hung up because <laughs> oh, I was web swinging. And then a voicemail came up, and it was my job saying, "Where are you?" <laughs> oh no! And I was like, I thought I, I thought I'd come in at three thirty, not one thirty. <laughs> And I was right, but like my phone was blowing up with like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I was like, I was playing Spider Man, and they rolled their eyes so hard. I was like, get in there. Wait, you actually said that? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my oh, god. He's so but, but secure. Was, He's secure like, in his wrong. Like they were wrong. Like I was actually scheduled like at three thirty, not one thirty. But like they they said, well, can you come in in any way? And I and I and I audibly oh, sighed god. and I said, whatever. Yes. Then I said I was doing something very important. Oh right, were you reading a book? No, I was playing Spider Man on PlayStation Four, and like they, they, you never heard such silence in the in the room. But yeah, <laughs> were you reading a book? Of course. Oh my gosh, I will say in regards to well, actually, an anecdote because I remember sometimes I asked Gerard because I know he's farther ahead in the game than I am for like some helpful tips. So I asked him like, you know, should I wait? Should I save my pennies, which are my tokens, or should I spend them right away? And I think. Your initial response was, you know, you, you could spend them. But then maybe it was a couple days later, you like retracted that and said, actually, don't do it. They're harder than I realized to get. So <laughs> I, I appreciated that advice. So actually, I waited a long time. I only spent money on things that I really wanted and things that I felt like were very useful. Um, so the costumes I was waiting for, I just like kept seeing them populate until I was getting the ones I wanted, which we'll get into next. My other anecdote is the Taskmaster situation because there I was and I had found I found a pride flag and it made me happy. I was like, oh, look at that. So I was going to try to take one, one of the little photo mode things. And so I was on top of the uh, the flagpole and all of a sudden I get whipped to the ground and I freaked out. And I had no idea what was happening. And it happened to be Taskmaster. So they did that oh, really awesome. well. Because I just had no idea it was coming. And, you know, he f- makes you fight him. But then I was prepared because I thought, okay, I've done all the challenges. I bet that at some point he's going to attack me again. But the first time it just took me by complete surprise. <laughs> I have a similar story. I was actually uh, goofing off, high-fiving somebody. <laughs> oh, God. And as soon as I was high-fiving them, I just got, you know, like the, the little coils that got around yes. his arms. I was like, wait, what just happened? And then all of a sudden Taskmaster appeared. How do you do that? Because I've, I've done that once in the game, but I see that happen a lot more often like on videos and stuff. Is there a way to like interact, like to take selfies with people and high-five them? Um, sometimes specific people on the streets will get like a little thing above their heads. Those are the ones you can interact with because they'll they'll start walking towards you and then you hit the button that comes up. And sometimes okay. you get five XP for doing. Mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> that's only that's the only reason we play games XP. Well, my final question is actually the only reason why I have this show is to talk about costumes, of course, because I'm a girl. <laughs> uh, no, th- there are a plethora of costumes. I'm not sure now the number because they added three new ones. I don't want to. Talk. Oh, I, I, I was like looking at the costumes now. Let me see if I can count. How many total are there? One, two, three, four, five times one, two, three, four, five. Six. I think they're thirty. Okay, 
Um, no, there's more. There's more than that. Uh-oh. Well, yeah, yeah. Actually, this this is not counting the DLC costumes, which which plus three. Um, and then but yeah, Seeker costume, which is his little Empire State shirt. How do you, how do you get that? Yeah, you got to get hundred percent. Yeah. Huh. I don't Okay, so there's maybe thirty five, thirty five costumes. So what are the favorite costumes that you have in this game? Oh my goodness, tried- there's <laughs> there's so many. The Scarlet Spider, the classic one. I love the twenty nine nine suit. But the one, honestly, the one I use the most is the classic one and the the comic book one, which is just the classic, but with like the kind of cel shading look to it. Yes, yep. I love those. But honestly, to be even the ones I don't like, they're just so well made that I I pretty much just rotate all the costumes. Yeah. This game, this game oh, even yeah. made me. Ki- oh, sorry. Uh, this game even made me kind of like the homecoming suit, which I didn't oh, like in the movie itself. Yeah. But I kind of like it now, having played it through the game. Yeah, I I love the costumes and and like I I was kind of at first I wouldn't say I was disappointed but like there were a number of costumes that we've seen before that weren't in here like the spider armor or the amazing bagman or Ben oh, Rice costume yeah. Yeah. that that um I was I would have loved to see I, I thank God they had the scarlet spider in the co- costume in this because it looks fantastic all the detail is there and uh you know you have the noir suit and um spider punk suit and the twenty ninety nine like like those are kind of the classics but like uh. It did make me like some costumes that, like, I don't think I had an opinion on before. I, I like the homecoming suit, but I like here when compared to the classic suit, which I also use a lot. It looks a lot more Ditko-ish than I think I realized. And when the uh, update came, where there's a lot more Ditko lettering and stuff, I would take a lot of pictures of that because the suit does affect a sort of Ditko kind of creepy look to it compared to the more Ramita-esque style of the classic suit. I would use Scarlet Spider a lot because that's just one of my favorite costumes. Period. I love the texture of the of the sweatshirt. Um, I love I love Ben Rice's uh, big old web shooters, and I just love kind of pausing and zooming in, seeing it spurt out and kind of change cartridges. It's, it's the coolest thing. I love I, like right now. I was using the um, the uh, the Mark IV costume, which is from like um, the, the very recent suit from like like the. Like, uh, it's not big time. It's like Peter Parker Industries suit where it's kind of all shiny. I think it's just a pretty cool costume. I think it looks really good at night. And I think that it has a really cool color design. I liked, I think 2009 looks terrific in this in this game. I liked the, I thought the comic book costume was kind of weird. Like it's the 90s show. But they say it's a comic version. It's like, okay, whatever. I kind of wish it was one of those costumes had the, the wet wings or what have you. And I also love the uh, Last Stand suit from ASM 500. I think yes. that, I, was, I was using that for a while. That thing looks really, really cool. I will say that the spirit spider freaks me out, and I have yet to use that one. <laughs> Where the heck is that from? I've never seen that before. It says that it was uh, first appearance Amazing Spider-Man Annual 38 in 2011. It's the alternate reality of Earth 1168. Wait a minute. Is that the... Uncle Ben uh, never it, died. Oh, I was going to say, isn't that the, the one that they did the crossover with him, uh, Ghost Rider, and like Deadpool or something like that? Uh, that ran through all of their annuals? I think that might have been what it was. Sure. It says that he was granted a second chance at life by the Sorcerer Supreme of his universe, Bruce Banner, and thus the Ghost. So there were three costumes that I was waiting for. One of them never happened, which was the black suit. But the two costumes that I was waiting for were Noir and 2099. So I was just for for the chance to get 2099 takes longer to get. I can't remember what level you have to be. So I love Noir. I think it's so awesome. And then the 2099 one, I also very much like. I second the last stand. I just like moto jackets, I think, but it just looks very cool. I 
love the spider punk i got it because i pre-ordered it and i <laughs> used him for a very very long time i also like his suit power where you um can wipe out a bunch of enemies afterwards i ended up relying on the focus because that works really well for both health purposes as well as taking enemies out um uh scarlet spider i don't have as much of an emotional attachment as you people do since you've been doing um podcasts <laughs> for like two you people now. Yeah, you know. Us clones. Yeah, you people. But, yeah, I I really like them. Uh, there's so many armor ones, which are really weird, that I wish there was just more cloth. You know, yeah. cloth kind of things. Especially, like, the Iron Spider I thought I would like, but I didn't really like it as much as I thought I would. But it's just awesome that you have so many to choose from. I think that's the, the fun part of it. But, you know what? I, I will confess that... The actual advanced suit, as they call it, the the big thing that you see all around, I really liked it. It, I think maybe it's one of those brainwashings because I saw it so much that I really liked it. But after, I would keep going back to it. So I'd spend time in Noir and then like if I was doing side missions and then if I went back to the story mode, I'd try to do the advanced suit. So I could just almost feel like I was playing it the way the game intended it to play. So I, I really like the, yeah. So, uh, so what, what a! Yeah, I, I just, I just <laughs> wish the spider was black instead of white, though. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, 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 I was, I was, yeah, come to this because this is a big contention for a lot of people. It is. Yeah, so it's kind of a disliked suit, I think. That's too bad. Depends. On- a lot of people wrote, wrote this game off because of that that white spider. Oh my gosh! What a superficial thing to do. I, I, I didn't like when I first saw it. I, th- I think it grew on me, and I like. I think overall the suit looks really like athletic and gymnastic i actually really like how it comes together because like i think it gets across spider-man's athleticism very well it is kind of a weird outlier like it doesn't fit anything else in this suit um but i don't mind it as much anymore i did mind it initially but i like first of all i like how you start off with it with the classic suit and you do have the option to, to, to wear whatever so it's fine but i no, I, I i've grown to like the the velocity suit i guess that's what it's called and there's a- velocity is a different one Oh, what's what, what's the name for this now? The white advanced spider suit? suit. The advanced suit. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, I've I've grown to like it. I was probably classic Scarlet Spider, Last Stand, and Homecoming. I suppose I really grew to like that. Yeah, if I'm going top three, mine was probably the classic, the uh, the Homecoming, and then the um, oh geez, what was the uh, the Spider Armor Mark Four? Is that the one with like the the, the kind the, of blue the glowing outline? spider? Yeah, I never liked that suit in the comics. I always thought it looked terrible. Well, I didn't read those those comics, but I mean, like the look of the suit <laughs> itself. But, but like I I I really like the way it looks in the game. But they kind of had to perfect the how the armor looked in the game because boy, are there a lot of armor suits. Yeah, so many. <laughs> yeah, Th- that um, oddly enough, except for the original one. <laughs> yeah, another Web One Hundred. That, that kind of that's a classic. Yeah. yeah, can we talk about that a bit? Like, um, what do you guys think of some of the big omissions? Like, I know a lot of people are clamoring for, for uh, suits from other movies, like the Raimi suit and the amazing Spider-Man suit. But, uh, or, or the, they also are missing the black suit, the, uh, the classic spider armor. Uh, Spider-Ben. Oh, Spider-Ben, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm expecting to see that one in one of the DLCs, considering they just gave us the Kane Scarlet Spider. Yeah, so they're very aware of the clone stuff. I mean, like, the symbiote Spider-Man costume is, like, the most gigantic omission, because that's, that's, I think that's clearly the most iconic non-regular Spider-Man costume, and it was only when I beat the game, I was like, okay, that was that was done for a reason, because yeah. there was no, 
I never believed that it was just like, oh, we made a mistake. It was just like, there's got to be a reason for that. No, I'm uh, in the same boat as you. I, I thought it was a huge omission. To, and then when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, it suddenly makes sense. They're saving it for the second one. And it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to look gorgeous, like just like the way it's, it's kind of colored. And uh, but, but like in addition to that, because that, that, that suit's a great look. I would really love. Also, whether we like it or not, Superior Spider-Man. I'm sure that's probably coming out in some DLC soon. But like, uh, that's a very distinct costume design oh, that yeah. like I feel wasn't there and on, on the on front in, in the I will, front. Yeah, and they do have like the Spider Armor Mark IV, which is the one after that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, what about Stella? Yeah. <laughs> uh, omissions. Yeah. I would just well, say the the black suit is the only one I would care. Okay. Yeah, my top three was the advanced suit, which I liked, but I'm always in the minority of who are and <laughs> Noir and 2099. Those are my. Is there any? Yeah, they had a lot of. They have a lot of Dan Slot stuff in here. Like and this, actually, kind of made me remember slash realize I don't like the ends of the earth armor at, at all. It's it doesn't really look like Spider Man enough. The the one where he fought Massacre with like the kind of really yellow eyes and stuff. It doesn't look too bad. It's it's, it's kind of sleek. The uh, big time green glowing one. Actually, I actually do kind of think that's kind of cool. Just just because I remember you could you could play as that in Marvel's Capcom Three. I do find it odd that you're stuck to the green though, considering he used different colors in the comics. Yeah, like red and stuff, right? Yeah, like I think they had it in uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Two game, and I think it was the orange version, if I remember correctly. What about uh, this? This tripped me out. Like you have the Amazing Fantasy Fifteen like wrestler suit. I thought that was pretty cool. It wasn't the one from Amazing Fantasy Fifteen though. It was the one from Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, real? Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you, the one from the one from Amazing Fantasy Fifteen was just pants, a white shirt, and a web mask. I think. Oh, you're totally yeah. Because I'm going to learn right now. He has the Batley uh, emblem, huh? I mean, I, I still think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there are any other. Uh, I, I mean, I think Bagman would be fun to have, like like the the homeless looking Spider-Man. And uh... <laughs> wait, wait, which one are we talking? Are we talking Amazing Bagman or Bombastic Bagman? Oh, all right, we're playing that game. Um, the, <laughs> the one from like the the amazing one where like, he gives the symbiote to Reed Richards and like. Johnny Storm makes him wear, put it back on his head. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. Also, I suppose. Um, oh, I had one. There was another suit. Sp- oh, oh uh, Captain Universe. Oh yeah, that was another big one that wasn't in there. Hmm. Yeah, there's just that, it's one of the things that kind of bugged me because there's so many great suits that Spider-Man's worn in his history. I thought it was odd that they added so many original suits. Like they have the Velocity suit. You have the negative version of his of his, the advanced suit. They have that extra one from the DLC that they added. Yeah, like, the last suit I think is pretty cool. Um, it looks like a robot, though. But like, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I would not want wanted this to be wall to wall original costume. That'd be a waste. And I suppose at the, at the end of the day, it is fine that they have ones that we've not seen. Like they don't have Spider Man India. They don't have. Um, I mean, obviously Miles because like Miles is you know being developed. They don't have um, like Spider Carnage. Can you imagine that? <clears throat> they don't have a jackpot <laughs> outfit. Oh, you stop! <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> what was that laugh? Started with Dennis the Menace for a second. <laughs> well, I think this conversation can go on forever, so I'm going to move us off it. And we are now at our final question, and it was a question I asked three hours ago. What? <laughs> how does this video game rank for you in terms of all the Spider-Man games that you have played? Number one. I was looking forward to this a lot, but I didn't think it would, it would replace... Uh, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin for me. So, yeah, top three. Number one is this one. Number two is uh, Spidey versus Kingpin. I think number three is Web of Shadows. 
yeah, this is. It, it, I was hesitant to like to like uh, put it as number one, and as, as I was playing it because I wasn't done yet. But like, it really grew on me really quickly. I, aside from all the gameplay mechanics which are, that are just fun as can be, the storytelling is is just top notch. They get Peter Parker, they get his world, they show you his romantic life, they show you his, you know, him being evicted, problems with his job, and his supervillains and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what more can you ask? And we were talking about like, the omissions of the costumes, but that's really superficial. I, I think that this is a perfected Spider-Man game. All the other games that I love, like like the PlayStation game and Spider-Man 2 and Marvel's Capcom, they are missing what this game offers. So this one is number one. And, and honestly, the most thing I want to see from this game is just like how it can improve beyond this, which would be very imaginative. But I, I don't know what, how, what they could do to improve, but I, I would love to see it. I'm very anxious to see what they do next. Yeah, I would agree that yeah, it's number one for me. It's I've got some emotional connection to some previous games, but this was just so awesome and you know amazing and spectacular and ultimate. And it the story, the characters, it all it just pulled me in, and I had such fun playing it, and I couldn't wait for to play it again. So I was waiting anxiously for the uh, the new game plus, and then the DLC. And I'm glad the experience isn't completely over. We still have some some more to go, but I can't wait for the next one. But I can wait, developers, because I would rather you take your time and and put in as much love as you did to this one. Well, uh, thank you so much to my guests. And you can basically, because people always get on me for my run times, basically blame them for my high run time. So thank you to uh, Don Gerard. this entire time. So, yeah, I know. Well, where, here's the last question, I guess, for you guys. Where can listeners find you in order to support what you're currently doing? Gerard, we will start with you. Well, you could download the Mayday Mondays podcast, which I host. You could. Oh, my goodness. We've been expanding on a lot of different platforms lately. So Mayday Mondays can be found... Of course, at spidey-dude.com. But you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, you can find us on our, our feeds on Podbean. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. What, what else? Uh, I, I haven't been updating our YouTube that much, but you got that. Our, our still most recent episode, we interviewed uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Oh. And it was really, mm. really good stuff. So I... I it's a couple hours with those guys or a couple hours that I think every comic fan should listen to. Fightful dudes. Um, you can also catch me on Clone Fire Chronicles, of course, along with Don, which you can find in the same, same places. And then, of course, on uh, Spectacular Radio whenever we get around to doing episodes. I uh, host a weekly social political podcast called Questions We Don't Have Answers with Harrison Shute, which you can find on KinoAnswers.com. Uh, as of today, we actually just latest episode uh how defining terrorism or what is terrorism so gather the kids around it's a very cheery oh lighthearted episode fun for the whole family no it's not um, you people also, swear on that show <laughs> harry swears way more than i do i don't know what's with it again um but like uh uh it is it is generally an 18 plus show but like it, it I, I, I love doing the show i also do Star chronicles with gerard zach uh Greg B and Josh, and we're very close to finishing the classic clone saga. I said classic, the nineties clone saga. Uh, check that on spidey-dude.com, and I do content on the Batman universe, as you should know if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, various content, like the commentaries, so written content, like editorials, sometimes reviews, and uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, DonoDMG1. And should you like for someone to draw a comic or a story about? You and a love interest, then Gerard <laughs> can do that for you. 
So just oh, I forgot about because that. he is in fact the artist that was behind the uh, Donovan's Piglet adventure that was uh, captured oh, yeah. on audio. I've never confronted you about that, have I? <laughs> Hopefully, there's a there's a part two in the works. Oh, <laughs> poor Don. Hey, remember you can send any questions or comments to backrolloracle at gmail.com. If you want to address Gerard or Don directly, I can forward that for you. So just send it my way. You can also find the show on Google Play and Stitcher. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at backrolloracle. And follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. And be sure to support the Batman Universe by subscribing to Patreon. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Backward Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast, even though this time we're talking about Spider-Man. And thank you also to my two good buddies, Gerard and Don, for spending their evening talking some Spidey with me. <laughs> Just so, sorry for your fans. They have to listen to so much of it, I guess. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll have to compare it to the other run times. I can't remember how long Last of Us was. So until <laughs> next time, swing on, Spidey lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Batgirl! Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you? The Internet's rife with footage of Spider-Man chasing the black cat across the rooftops. And apparently, there are hordes of young people cheering them on. They're called shippers. No, that has nothing to do with boats. It's short for relationship. As in, they really want Spider-Man and the black cat to be together romantically. Or they really don't. And they have quite intense arguments about it. Flame wars, I believe, is the term. You know, in my day, we didn't have time for flame wars about shipping. You know why? Because we had jobs! So here's J. Jonah Jameson's public service announcement to our youth. You're into shipping? Join the Navy!